Zionism is racism. Israel cannot be both. Israel is either a racist Jewish state or it's a democratic state for everybody. And that's what I would like Israel to be. I'd like a democratic solution, one state with equal rights for um, uh, all its inhabitants. Uh, your organization, Human Rights Watch, issued a report last year uh, about Israel, mm -hmm. and the conclusion was it is an apartheid state. And, and there are four major human rights groups in the last two years mm -hmm. who issued similar reports reached the same conclusion. Israel mm -hmm. is an apartheid state. So apartheid is racism. Apartheid is discrimination. But Israel is the only member of the United Nations that I know which is officially racist. And I say this because of the uh, July 2018 nation state law, which says mm. the Jews have a unique, unique right to self-determination mm -hmm. in Israel. Unique means exclusive. Yes. It means Arabs have no right to self-determination. Mm -hmm. It means even if Arabs became a majority, mm -hmm. they would still have no right to self-determination. Mm. So but most certainly Zionism is a, um, is a racist ideology mm -hmm. and it is largely responsible for the Anakba that has unfolded throughout the last century and continues today. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024. Thank you for joining me today. I think there's a bunch of stuff to talk about, like far too much to fit into one show today, but I'm going to try to get as much as I can in in regard to the bigger topics. I mean, and you've probably seen a lot of this going around. We've, we've seen the... Uh, Israel now bombing Lebanon. We've seen Israel bombing Iran. We're going to talk about both of those things and seemingly being openly discussed and even openly admitted because the argument is, well, if we just say Hamas is there and we've already stated otherwise that we can attack Hamas wherever they are, that we can do that. Is that starting to sound familiar? Well, it should. It's the exact same, exact same thing the U.S. government does all around the world. Mission creep from originally around the 9-11 discussion became just anywhere we say we think you're present. Here we are. More terror in the world than ever when before they started their war on terror, when re the reality is we've hopefully by now come to understand they were the ones creating it, arming them, funding them, using them to destabilize the more moderate partners of the countries that they wanted to take control of. This is what these governments have done. This is not even hype. This is provable information at this point. And it's really, it's like most of what we'll talk about today. It really comes down to people that just have a reflexive dismissal of anything that does not align with what they've been told is the agenda or rather the narrative. And it's, it's alarming, but I see that number dwindling as the days go by. We're going to talk, actually start today about something interesting in regard to specifically Tucker Carlson, his website, and just as a point that I don't think it's unique to Tucker Carlson, but people in that level of the field and the amount of information that they are taking from you listed plainly right on their website. 
And I just think you need to understand how this is literally the exact same thing that everybody else is doing. Tucker Carlson Network is just another data mining advertising platform. I'll show it to you myself. Now, I'm not going to say that in plot. We know for sure that means in his intentions or he isn't even aware of that. I don't know. You can decide the, the intent and the information around it. But I think it will behoove you to understand that, you know, subscribing to Fox News or CNN is really at this point, as far as I can tell, no different than subscribing to Tucker Carlson's new network. And I think that's important to understand. Doesn't, don't we all understand that the direction this is all going? But I guess it's okay because the good guy is taking all your data. That becomes the biggest problem. No, no, no. The good Elon billionaire technocrat is the one we're leaning into. He's building the exact same thing they're doing, but he's the good guy. Come on, we got to be smarter than this. But we're going to talk about after that, the vanilla ISIS illusion. And this is because of a new article coming out from the Wall Street Journal. A new study was done by the military, rather an independent entity that they, they tapped to do it. And they found out that there is no U.S. military extremism problem. You might be shocked to hear that, seeing as how it was like 50%, I mean, that should be hyperbolic, a large portion of the corporate media's focus for a really long time. It's not even real. And this is exactly the same dynamic. You'll see these overlaps everywhere you look. Recognize that. Because these two entities are very, very close, as you should know. But you'll see the same thing in every single entity we talk. Like we could talk about any level of these extremists or the allegations they're in. We can see the anti-Semitism allegation being used in the exact same way. Doesn't mean that there aren't white supremacists or racists, but it clearly means that by alleging that that is anybody under this banner or who wears a red hat, that's the definition of ignorance. Like you are rather more so specifically... The point being is we've always discussed that broad stroking a group of people is is ignorant. I think that is the correct word for it. And now it's a crowning achievement by anybody in power as long as you say it about the right group. It's crazy. Now, the point is that there, the study shows that there are not rather actually less than they find in the actual society inside the U.S. military. Of course, people who don't want to hear that are going to say that's the military did it and you should ask that. And that's denying the reality. But the point is the facts aren't there. And just like we saw after the January 6th discussion, where all these investigations were done into literally anybody who was present, including journalists and people who were just walking by and somebody who had no idea what was going on. And every single one of those open investigations were called domestic terrorism. So then they can turn around and go, oh my God, there's 400,000% more of domestic terrorism investigations. Yeah, because you investigated grandma from the corner who didn't even know what was going on. Same thing is happening right now in regard to Israel and this conversation. It's the same thing happening in regard to colleges of which these groups I do not support. Quite frankly, their woke agenda disgusts me. But the point is, it's still not okay that they are being accused of something. It's this interesting dynamic we'll get into about how one side of them is saying there's a racist movement trying to get rid of all these black authority leaders in colleges. And then you got the other side going, these are all these racist college leaders who hate Jews. Like, Hold on a second. <laughs> and they don't line up together. And both of them largely probably think they're on the same side. It just shows you that there are manipulations playing in all of this. We're going to talk about a brief moment about the judicial reform discussion, which kind of came back and then it looks like it was uh, kind of stopped again, but we'll talk about what that means. And of course, the bombing of Lebanon and, and how incredibly, you know, Israel's been pushing the concept that they're already in a multi-front war. And as I've continually shown you, like you'd think that they could have seen this before this all started. And come out right out of the gate and said, we're already involved in a multi-front war, which they kind of have said in the past, but it didn't happen that way. We're focused on Hamas. This is our only focus. Now, of course, because the other entities are clearly in support of the Palestinian people, and now all of a sudden you're seeing actions taken by Israel, which are drawing them into this conflict, they're going to say, well, we have always been in a multi-front war. 
Why? Because they just made that the reality. But they want you to think that's the case from the beginning because everything they seem to do right now is wildly reactive, which is why most people aren't buying it. You know, they, they get caught for something and then the two days later, there's a narrative that comes out that seems to counteract what we all literally saw with our own eyes based on words. It's, it repeatedly happens. Now, we're going to talk about that as well as Iran. Of course, it happened on the Soleimani death anniversary, which is not by accident, guys. And if, as I understand it, there is at least 100 killed at this memorial, a memorial for a slain commander. So I can promise you that there were civilians there. You think Israel cares about that? They say, well, there was a Hamas purpose in there, so all of that doesn't matter. This is actually a really great point to make when we get there about the idea that here's another example of how literally, apparently by their narrative, they can kill an endless amount of people as long as they claim that we got a Hamas member. Can we prove in that? Hundreds of people die and they go, well, Hamas. Right. Oh, ISIS, Al-Qaeda. So we can invade Syria. We can invade Iraq. We can invade Afghanistan. A bad guy. We all see through that today except for the people that are invested in the status quo. We're also going to talk about, well, I'm just going to say in general, we're going to get into a lot of parts about the Israel-Gaza conversation. And again, I'm focusing on some main parts to start, and we'll see how much we get to in the general part of the show. But the main parts we are going to get into, in general, the updates on what's actually going on on the ground. We're going to talk about the continuing Gaza settlement conversation, and we're going to talk about this illusion, the manipulation therein around anti-Semitism and the game that's played to censor people, but we're going to get into a lot more about Israel, um, including 42 Nova survivors from the Nova festival who are suing Israel. And as Orwell rightly pointed out, are those the same people that you involved involuntarily committed because they were having problems and now suddenly they're angry and suing Israel. Well, wait a minute. It's almost like exactly what we thought was happening was happening where they were putting people in involuntary committing people involuntarily because they might have something to say. And I'm not saying we've proven that, but it's interesting the way this is going forward. And aside from that, we can prove, I think, what, at least 15 people now have come out and said all of the things we're saying, right? Security people at the Kuzma area, helicopter pilots, tank pilots, random people in the IDF, civilians who were shot at both in, in Israel as well as coming back from Gaza. I mean, it just never stops. And all of them have said they shot us, they shot at us, they killed people, the bombings killed people. Hannibal directive was admitted by a colonel. <laughs> we just all just keep going through the motions. Apparently we know they did this, but we're going to pretend like we can't tell for sure because Biden Blinken hold the line. Now let's start with a quick shout out to an uh, excellent show. I was just on this morning, which I plan on inviting him on as well. We talked about this at the end. I was on David Knight's show, which I know you guys have been asking for. And it was a really great conversation. As he wrote, just, we talked about the fluoride cover up and Gaza on a Burkhart, a lot of different things. Great, great discussion. And of course, what I what I think I want to talk about, which we didn't get into because there was just so, a lot of good stuff we talked about, was his clear discussion about the two-party illusion, which we both clearly agree on. And the fact that clearly it seems that Trump, as well as Alex Jones, do not appear to be on your side. Doesn't mean necessarily when I say that, that I think that they know that. that there's a big difference there. I don't know that. I would never claim that. I don't speak for their intent. I'm not ridiculous like the corporate media. But I can clearly point out that anybody, as I've said many times, who is committed to, invested in the two-party illusion, or just in case you don't think that, the two-party system will end up deceiving you whether they know that or not. You, you mark my words. You look back at what we've already done. It's an easy thing to prove. Great show. We'll have him on pretty soon. I also was on a, uh, the, the show. Uh, I think it's a new one. It's entitled uh, Classified on Icon Iconic. 
And it was a great discussion we had in regard to Elon Musk, uh, connections to Cutter, and a lot of different discussions about uh, you know the larger topics of today. Make sure you check it out. It was a great conversation. Now, on the note of Elon Musk, I want to just start with this point because I thought this was interesting. There's so many of these two divides we have, these false divide and conquer pro- tactics, right? Whether it is race, whether it is religion, and it really it ends up just simply pitting us against each other because of narratives that suit the interests of the government, especially when we fail to focus on what they're doing to our lives and only pretend like your neighbor who has a different flag suddenly is the one causing all your problems. But this Elon Musk tweeted this out, night and day difference, he says, and it says, crazy idea. Let's divide a country into half capitalists and half communists and check in on it 70 years later. I'm just so tired of this. Like, do you not realize how many examples there are of both of those things leading to exactly what, I mean, what, how can we not, how can we literally be standing in a capitalist society, a democracy, whatever you want to call it, that has driven us to, in my opinion, a worse position than any of these other places. And I'm not talking about the death toll. I'm talking about the danger of where we are creeping into, not just kinetic prison, you know, kinetic war, prison time. We're talking about something far more nefarious, far more in, invasive, the technocratic direction, the I mean, you know, we've talked about a lot of this stuff, the techno- the medical direction, the technology overlapping, the biotechnology, the nanotechnology, these things are terrifying to me. And that is where we are. And we're talking, I'm, the whole point is those are all under the banner of totalitarianism. We are watching them build a totalitarian, technocratic, medical elite type society, right? Where your scientism is the word I was looking for. And then we stand back and go, but communism is the only problem. I mean, it's just so childish. Any one of these governments. Now, look, I can concede possibly that one might have more of an intent, a tendency than the other to quick, in a more rapid fashion, centralize power at the top. I could give you that. I don't know if I agree with that. I would have to see. But either way, the point is, all of them, any government of any kind can eventually lead to exactly what we're dealing with. Because guess what, guys? The whole point is that government is the problem. But with everything under your under the sun for them, if you they get you debating on two things that are basically under the same umbrella for them, well, then it stays that way forever. Right? We all want independence and different parties and nobody votes for left and right anymore, but it still stays the same, right? Because guess why? The top people of the illusion scream at each other every day. As I wrote, it's so sad that we can't move past this naive perception that it's only certain types of government or violent authority, as I put it, that are the problem. Think about that. They're all violent authority, guys. Every single one of them. If you break the law, how do you think they enforce it? At the butt of a gun. doesn't matter if it's communism or it doesn't matter. It's the same thing. Talk to somebody who, by the way, I've never got a chance to speak to. I'd love to talk to him, Larkin Rose. I line more, much more with his ideology than really anything else. The idea of, you know, as I've talked about, the anarchistic mindset. But I think I'm all over the map, really, when it comes to a lot of certain, certain things. But at the end of the day. The idea that we pretend that only one controlling factor over your life is the bad one and we need to let this one. Do you not see that as the same thing as the good technocrat of Elon versus the bad technocrat? It's the same thing. You accept your own control structure because you pick one. It's all government. And as long as they get you fighting for government, they really don't care what flavor you choose. Now, I'm sure you disagree. I'm, I'm sure plenty of you disagree with that. I hope you can see the light in that. Now, one last little point I just thought was interesting. Same kind of thing, right? Names, naming names, we're told, right? Infamous Epstein list set for today, apparently. Right, because it's very common for the government to go, here's a lot of secret information that we don't think you should see, but we're going to give it to you anyway, because you're, we're, I mean, really? Like, I mean, it's, it's certainly possible. <coughs> Excuse me, it's certainly possible 
that this came out for some specific reason. I wouldn't I mean, question everything. But the idea that this is already being leaned into by a lot of people in the independent media, as if this is going to be some big bombshell, and maybe it will be, but we have to, at the very least, flavor this immediately with this could either be very selective or people could be added to it that weren't there for political reasons. This is coming from your controlling structure. This is after a New York federal court ordered court documents unsealed, right? So are we of the mind that they're not capable of just not doing that and pretending and giving you fake documents? Like this game we play where they are just bound by the law, except they're there, there, and literally everywhere else we look. But that one, that one they will be bound by is naive. But my point is that this is interesting. First of all, ask yourself, how in the world is possible that this ridiculous list that hasn't, like my point in the sense of what they're going to drip out to you now, hasn't been shown till now? Despite the fact that there are people who have put together pretty obvious lists out there. So let's see what happens. I'm willing to bet you anything this is going to be used during the election and it's going to be used manipulatively. Important to think about. Now, on that same note about data, which let's not forget Epstein was obsessed with technology and the same discussions as well as, you know, everything else he did. This is on TechCrunch. Deal, deal, dive. Tucker Carlson is a media startup founder again. This was on the 21st of this year, of October. Now, this just gets into some of the basic information. This is just really what I wanted to show you, just very quickly. Now, I know people will attack or be angry because I've, I've, I guess I'm not calling anybody out here. I'm just highlighting what is on the public Tucker Carlson Network privacy policy page. If you find that somehow insulting or you should ask why. Why does it bother you that I'm showing you something that's blatant and public on his website? My point in all of this is to show you that this is, you're going to in through just because it's Tucker's network. So I'll comment more at the end. So this, this was last updated the 22nd, which is by the way, one of the points, just like any of these rest of these, they can update it whenever they want. Maybe they'll notify you in a weird, abstract way. Maybe not. It doesn't say they necessarily have to, if there's not enough information changing. And they just say, well, just check, check it every now and again. <laughs> Yeah, check the 17-page policy that nobody looks at really ever. That That's how this game gets played. But it says the owner of this website, which is Last Country Inc., the website being TuckerCarlson.com, and this is his company, uh, Last Country Inc., working with uh, pri uh, Public Square, by the way. A little, little brief research on that platform, but, you know, if there's anything you think is interesting, the connection there, let me know. Public, uh, Public Square and then a couple of others that were connected to it. A guy named Patel, I believe, is the CEO and working with them. But it says this privacy policy or the policy details our practices in collecting, using, disclosing, and otherwise processing your personal information. So by the way, right there, none of that happens on The Last American Vagabond or plenty of websites that I support. Nothing. Literally no data exchange whatsoever unless you, let's say, enter your email address to subscribe. Or, you know, the kind of basic things that websites will often do, which are, you know, engaged with the, like, but my point is what you'll see when we get into is about IP addresses, phone data, location data, what you're doing off this site. All this is on there, which makes me really uncomfortable. But a lot of websites do not do any of this. And in fact, there's ones out there that do literally none of that. Like there's, pe there's people that are leaning into, as we all should, and it's pr problematic for me, just because you know it's hard to shift into some new entire platform or rather just style, or leaning into these new kind of decentralized directions of internet, which do not, necessitate these things, but it also comes along with a huge shift in how we operate and devices we use and so on. But we really should. I really should. But it says under scope, the policy applies to the personal information we collect and process related to visitors of our website, which apparently now that's me just by being here, where this policy is posted right there. Right. So right there. So just the, they're literally telling you because I looked at this website 
That's how, that you're ta- they're taking your information. It says including the Tucker Carl uh, the TCN network and the TuckerCarlson.com site. So both of them, individuals who use, access, download, or otherwise interact or engage with the products, tools, services, features available through the sites. Individuals who simply register for the or, for or participate in events outside of the website, surveys, research, or promotions. All this seems pretty general, right? Individuals who subscribe to receive news, information, and other communications from us. Current, former, and prospective business partners, vendors, service providers, and individuals who communicate or otherwise interact or engage with us or the services available through the sites or online services. So all of that, they, they're taking information from. Now, personal information collected. As further described below, we may collect personal information directly from you, I, I really don't know why anybody's okay with that at this point in, in where we are in the world right now. It says automatically through your use of the use of the, our services as this both sites and from other third party sources, we may collect the following personal information directly from you. So this is first, just what I take it from you. Contact information. When you contact us, including if you send us a message or sign up and so on, we'll may collect your name, email address, phone number. That seems common. Communications interactions, when you email or call or otherwise communicate, we'll collect, maintain records of our communications, interactions, payments and purchases. When you make a payment through our service, we may collect and purchase payment. This is all pretty benign. Professional information, we may collect personal information related to your professional occupation. Now, you know, that may not alarm anybody, but quite frankly, that's, you know, this is where, like when I was working with SuperU, unpaid at the time, as you guys remember, I just was just, I was just a consultant because I liked what they were doing and I believed in it. I was adamant about this and I had too much frustration by the sort of mainstream people they hired to run the main thing. We stopped this. We didn't allow any of this. I don't want literally anything other than what's necessary to act. Just to make sure the website function. That's it. Now I don't mean because we want to get your personal information about what you looked at on the website so we can offer you an advertisement or none of that. I don't want your personal occupation unless you want to tell me, I don't want any exchange of personal data whatsoever. All of this should be choice. We should just not blindly accept that this is the way the world works today because it doesn't have to. Because this is how you make money from these places. You think they make money by at donations like we do? No, no, you sell advertising data. You sell advertising. You sell personal information despite what they may say. Then it goes on to say if you participate in surveys and so on with them, events and registration details. Now it goes on to saying personal information collected from third parties. We may also collect and receive certain personal information about you from third-party sources, such as from data analytics and marketing providers, public databases, joint marketing partners, social media platforms, and other third parties. So ask yourself why this platform is reaching out into the world to collect data on you. Doesn't that seem weird? I mean, not when you look at what the rest of them do. This is what they do. They're trying to get literally everything that you could put forward. But that's, that's right there. Why would Tucker Carlson's network need to ask Twitter about what you said that day or public databases elsewhere that are collecting information about you? And then then at that point, how do you know that that information doesn't violate what they said they would get because this is not their database? Just hypothetical. It gets much worse. Lead and prospect information. We may receive lead and prospect information from third parties about prospective customers who may be interested in our services. So now they're taking data about you whether or not you're on this website just in case they want to send you an advertisement about hey check out our services that's that's you know minor but uncomfortable we may also engage with third parties to enhance or update our customer information for example we may receive certain personal information about you from data analytics and marketing providers for marketing and advertising purposes so we can sell you new things i'm not going to sell you anything i don't know why people i mean look if you don't, if you don't mind about any of this then half the people listening probably don't care I do. 
my dad, and I think increasingly, as even some of Tucker's work has highlighted, the technocratic future with the data collection is a big problem. That's how this is being used. So when they're saying that they will advertise toward you, it's, it's about the monetary side of this, which you may not disagree with. Third-party platforms, if you post information about this platform, about his network, or engage with them on third-party platforms, so you, you chat with him on Twitter, such as social media platforms, we may collect personal information about you from that platform. Pretty damn invasive. This is not even getting started. Personal information collected and automatically. We and our third-party service providers may automatically collect or derive certain personal information about you related to your interaction with our services, including through the use of cookies, pixel tags, web beacons, and similar technology. The, person inf the personal information we may automatically collect includes things like your IP address. Why do they need that? Right? They, your, your, ident your location is not the same thing as your IP address. That's your personal computer IP address. Access dates and times, hardware, software information. Why exactly do they know what kind of computer you have or what you're using or what kind of other data or backup technology you're using? Viewed pages, clicked links, searches, features, used, items viewed, time spent within the services, your interactions with us within the services and other activity and usage information. Now that is constant in this. Just like the government, very specific this and there and it stops here and then other things too. Oh, okay. So regardless of how specific that encapsulates pretty much anything else they want to include, other activity and use information, right? Well, what is that? What other activity and use information? Well, we don't know. Under device and browser information, details about the device you're using to gain access to our services, including the hardware model, operating system, browser type, language, unique, ident unique device identifiers. That is invasive. Internet service provider referring and exiting URLs, clickstream data, operating system, and similar device and browser information. Wow. Like, am I the only one that finds this to be almost more invasive than most of the things we see? I guess I just doubt most of them are honest about it. You know, they tell you, no, we won't take any of that, and they just do it anyway. At least this is on the surface. I'll give them that. But then it says location data, approximate or general location data from your device. That's a big no-no for most people that care about freedom. Generally, we may collect, use, and set of purposes for collecting. May collect, use, disclose, and otherwise process the information we collect for several purposes, including services and support. Now, a lot of these are just the general things to make your experience better and other things. That's how these things work. But, you know, to service support, you know, do you need help with the platform, technical support? It's not working for me. Analytics improvement, same game. To better understand how you access and use the service, we can better help you and improve the system. And you can tell us how it needs to be. Communication to respond to your inquiries and questions. You know, you get all this. But all the, I don't, you don't need an IP address, a browser history, you know, the data you're using from your phone. You don't need that to be able to go, hey, can I help you? What's your problem with the website? That's just a general statement that will make it better. So give us personal information. It doesn't really make sense to me. Customized and personalization. Customization, personalization. To tailor content which is always what this is about, we may send or display on the services, including to offer location customization and to otherwise personalize your experience and offerings. So I just want to make sure you see that. It's just really about the same kind of thing we say or we hear from most of them, right? We want to tailor advertising just to you. And we know how that's worked. Marketing advertising. For marketing, advertising, promotional purposes, for example, to send you promotional information about our services, including information about events and new offerings. So you know, sending you things repeatedly about what they're going to be doing common, to comply with applicable legal or regulatory obligations. Now, this, this is where I get concerned. When I was at SuperU, one of the big things that I was really adamant about 
and we set up legal protections for was if we were to be if we were to be called on by the government to say, hey, we need to know about your certain your person, this X, Y, and Z. First of all, we go, we have nothing. You know, we here here's their username. That's what's what we have. On top of that, though, we made it, we had we had we we basically insulated the entire thing. So where we would say, look, it's this is what we have public, that's all we know. So we we intentionally put ourselves between the government and you because I was gonna no, not, you know, my point is I would do everything I could before I let them push past us to get to you because they want to censor your video, right? So this is saying, well, if they ask, right, applicable legal or regulatory obligations, including as part of a judicial proceeding to respond to a subpoena, warrant or court order or other legal process or as part of an investigation or request. So if they simply go, hey, we need Ryan's data from the platform. Here you go. Whether formal or informal from law enforcement or a governmental authority. So right there, whether for, they could simply go, hey, we need that data. Well, if it's a, an applicable legal or regulatory obligation, if it includes a judicial process or respond to a subpoena, then we'll give it to you. Not me. Try to try to get the data that we have from Last American Vagabond, that the, the fringe small things that even exist. I will never give that up. Auditing, reporting, and other internal operations to conduct financial, tax, and accounting audits. Audits and assessments of our operations, including our privacy, security, and financial controls, as well as for risk and compliance purposes. We may also use your personal information to maintain appropriate business records and enforce our policies and procedures. Now, my point in this is there's all of this is under the concept of or the context of your information. So why would they need your personal IP address and and computer uh, model and, you know, and, and other personal data, which we'll get into, to be able to do an audit for their business? I think there's much more to this than we think. We may also use that to business records and enforce policies and procedures. I just don't get how that makes sense. General business and operational support to assess and implement mergers, acquisitions, reorganizations, bankruptcies, and other business transactions. I only include that to show you that, well, you may be okay now because Tucker owns it. Well, a year later, oh, sorry, we got bought out. Acquisitions, real, And that point is they've been, connect, they've been accessing all of this data to assess and implement mergers. That's literally what it says. They're talking about how they're using this, right? Purposes for collection. This one is to assess and implement mergers based on your personal data. Why? Because it's valuable. So you may think you're good because Tucker owns it, but who knows if that changes. Personal information disclosures. Say we may disclose the personal information that we collect. So some of which we've already discussed for the purposes described above and as otherwise directed or consented to, to by you to, to the following recipients. Affiliates and subsidiaries, business partners, like a lot of the different normal things you might expect if you sign on for these programs. But here's what I thought was concerning. Other third parties. In some circumstances, we may also disclose personal information to other third parties, whatever that may mean, such as social networks, internet service providers, such as, so more than that, operating systems and platforms and others throughout the course of our general business operations. Talk about, but broad. So just other, so my point is, if you think that all this makes sense so far, who God only knows what these random unaccounted for third parties they'll work with and probably benefit from will do with that data. It says, we may also disclose your personal information in the following circumstances, support of business transfers, compliance and legal obligations. We already generally talked about these, but that's the same point. We may disclose personal information to third parties to the extent required by applicable law, legal obligations. Well, here's the point. If they don't have that data, there's nothing to give up. Right. So they create the dynamic where they go, oh, well, we got to because the, the law says, well, I don't have anything to give. They may disclose personal information in response to subpoenas, court orders, same thing. Other disclosures, general, broad. We may disclose personal information in other ways, not described above. 
well, that's convenient, that we notify you of or that we obtain your consent for. But this is that or otherwise authorized or required by law or throughout the course of our general business operations. Right, it's the same kind of concept we just discussed. And then they make a note about this down here. That we notify you of or that we obtain your consent for. We'll understand that this, when you sign the platform, is your consent. And then when you get a updated terms of service in four years, when you barely glance at it because nobody does, well, you won't know the change. Notwithstanding, it says anything else described in this policy, and here's the point, we may disclose the aggregated, the identified, and other non-identifiable data. Okay, so despite everything we just said, we may just anonymize it and sell it to people. That's what that says. Well, I mean, what it says here specifically is quality control, analytics, research, development of the other and other de-identified information worked in Israel where they literally knew who they were and it was a lie. Same kind of thing. Well, you can decide for yourself. Frankly, I don't want this. Here's where it gets even more concerning for me. Cookies and cracking technologies. We and our third-party service providers use cookies, which we all know about. That's not a benign, we all know what these are, but they say pixel tags, web beacons, and other similar tracking technologies and mechanisms to automatically collect browsing activity, like it, where it says browsing, activity, device, and similar information within our services. <laughs> Why does anybody think that's okay? Then it says, it goes on to say cookies, so you don't, in case you don't know, are small text files stored on a user's device. Nobody likes these things. It's always invasive, and it's always, it, it's something that is, I don't like the idea that any site is putting something stored on my computer, right? And this concerns me. I don't know why somebody who is acting like a, you know, the whole thing of the, the, the land, the country, last country, Inc. is about, and Public Square, they're all an anti-woke, you know, privacy Patriot mindset. Well, this is basically, if other than the fact that Tucker's running it, this is the same you're going to get on corporate media. Other than the fact that they go, we promise we won't do X, Y, and Z, but other services and other purposes. And should we decide? But it says, allow us to serve better targeted advertisements. So again, they're at targeting advertisements toward you based on the personal data they scoop from you in order to make money. That may not bother you. You may just accept that's the way the world works today. I do not. It says we may, and this is called pixel tags, sometimes called web beacons or clear gifts. It says any tiny graphics with a unique identifier, similar in function to cookies. While cookies are stored locally on your device, pixel tags are embedded invisibly within web pages and online content. We may then use in connection with our services to, among other things, track the activities of users and help us manage content and compile user usage statistics. On other websites. Doesn't that seem a little alarming? You're using pixel tags that embed these things in other websites and then tracking what you do on those websites? That's literally what it says. That bothers me. Third-party analytics. The, these third-party companies may use cookies, pixels, and other tracking technologies to collect user data. Okay, so regardless of whatever else they just said, they go, but we also have third parties we're working with which may do whatever they want. Which you, don't, you may not think that's what that means, but when it says and other tracking technologies to collect your data, that could mean literally anything that can track your data. Anything. And that's okay, that's in there. So if you just skim past that and go, hey, they, wouldn't they wouldn't do it. I trust Tucker. Well, it says right there. Do you trust the third parties that you don't know who they are or what their goals are? All of this lens falls back on the idea that you're supposed to trust it because Tucker wouldn't do that. Well, you may be right. I hope you're right. Targeted advertising. It says, we may share certain information with these third-party ad companies. 
and we and, and we and we and they may use cookies, pixel tags, and other tools. So now there's three groups that could potentially use these things, both on your computer and websites you visit, and other tools. Again, whatever that means, to collect usage and browsing information within our services, as well as on third-party sites and services. Such again as IP address, location information, device ID. Now that is very different than the style, the, the model. That is your unique device ID, cookie and advertising ID, and other identifiers, whatever that means, as well as browsing information. Do you want them to know you're looking at porn sites? Do you want them to know? Like you have to understand how invasive this becomes, especially when you just sit back and let this happen. But then it says even better. Currently, our systems do not recognize browser do not track signals. You got to love that. Even though we just found out that the incognito window from Google was a lie anyway, right? They just came, oh, you busted us. Nobody cares, though. But what they're literally saying is, go ahead. You can, you, like it says up the top, you know, you can choose this or that. Well, go ahead and choose it. They'll go, well, sorry, we don't recognize that. Managing your preferences. It says, we make available several ways for you to manage your preferences and, and privacy choices. So it's, it sort of sounds like you, if you just skimmed, you'd be like, oh, well, they'll, they'll give me options to say no. And yeah, that's not what's happening. Now you can read all these. They're basically the same. You can review and update some of the personal information we maintain about you by logging in. And this is in regard to, and it's just some, this is about like your, your username, that kind of stuff. You can also update certain preferences such as your communications. But again, it says some of your personal information. And I'll show you why this is relevant. Then here it says, we may send periodic promotional emails and that you already get that. Right, so they're taking that information. Oh, oh, and this, oh, this, this point was about you may opt out of receiving advertisements, or rather specifically to your email. You're not going to opt out of the advertisements that pop up while you're on the website. Then it says, cookie preferences. It says to prevent cookies from tracking your activity on the site or visits across multiple websites. Get this, you can set your browser to block them. That's what it says. It literally says right here, currently our systems do not recognize browsers do not track signals. Okay, so I guess we're just going to pretend that doesn't contradict each other. But on top of that, they're not saying that you can do anything on this website. They're saying, take your browser and, and, and set it to no, no ads or whatever. That, that, so there is no option for, the, for you on this website to stop what they're doing. That's what it says. You can also delete cookies, right? So we'll add them, but you can delete them as you go every time you use it. The help portion of our toolbar and your browser will... Uh, on the toolbar of most browsers, not in the website, will tell you how to prevent the device from accepting new cookies, how to have the browser notify you when you receive a new cookie and how to delete cookies, which pretty much everybody knows about for the most part. My point is when you start using this and you forget about it, it'll go on and you'll just become normal. Visitors to our sites who disable cookies will be able to browse the sites, but some features may not function properly. Of course. So you're going to have most people that go, well, I trust Tucker. Like my bet is you'll you disable these things and it won't work. And you'll want to see what he said that day. So you'll turn it back on. Your preferences are browser and device specific, which means that you need to set the preference for each browser and device that you use to access our services. Isn't that fun? In addition, if you delete or block cookies, you may need to re reapply those preferences every time. So really nothing. Their answer is there is no way to change it. We're going to take it, but you can mess with your websites, download apps, whatever you need to do on your side. Let's pretend like that's them giving you options. Industry ad choice programs. You can also control how participating third parties, ad companies use the information that they collect about your visits to our website and those of third parties in order to display more relevant targeted advertising to you. Right. So what they're not, what they're saying is you can't stop that. 
but you can control how these parties use that information. You hear the difference? It's very clear in all of this. External links and features. Our services may contain links to third-party websites or features or provide certain third-party connections or integrated services. And we already just discussed how all those third parties are able to access your data on their own side, but they're not in involved in this discussion. Then it says, any access to and use of, e of such linked websites, features, or third-party connections or integrated services is not governed by this policy. It's right there. Our hands are tied. We gave, we gave it to them, but we can't control it. Well, that's your choice then. You are in charge of it. You could just simply say no. But instead, it says it's governed by the privacy policies of those third parties. I guess we hope they have one, right? We are not responsible. And of course, they're not naming those third parties, so you have no way to find out. If we are not responsible, it says, if, it says we are not responsible for the information practices of such third parties. Well, that's convenient. You give it to them. Why wouldn't you care? Isn't, isn't the whole point that this is about freedom and, and, and all the stuff you're talking about, but you just hand over data to groups that don't have any kind of policy? Think about how hypocritical that is. Including, it says, their collection, use, and disclosure of your personal information. You should review the privacy policies and terms for any third parties before proceeding to, to those websites or using those features. Right. The, the third parties that you're barely even aware are functioning in the background of a site you're using. They're telling you, go find out which ones we use, then look at their policy privacy policies, assuming it's even easy to find or even present. This is hollow. Am I crazy? Again, with what's going on in the world today, this is minor. But it just doesn't, it should bother people that somebody who is presenting themselves as against all of this is actively parling apart in exactly this. But now I can give you the possibility that maybe he isn't aware of this. Maybe he was lied to. Maybe he doesn't understand why this is problematic. I mean, I'm not trying to pretend that I know what's going on, but I do know that this is problematic. Nobody should be aligned with this. And it says, we may retain additional inf personal information as necessary. And it goes to list for tax compliance, accounting, and record keeping. The point is that they leave the door open. When you just say as necessary, right, it comes down to the idea, and it just says, and to comply with the legal obligations. So there's so many different ways this could apply to then include new things. Assuming you're checking this privacy policy every 30 seconds for the new updates that day. It says, we have implemented reasonable precautions designed to protect the information we collect from loss, misuse, and unauthorized access, disclosure, alteration, and destruction. Not destroying this. Please be aware that, uh, that despite our best efforts, no, no data security measures can guarantee security. Well, exactly. That's not, that's, that's, I get that. I, that's a fair statement. Still exactly why you should not be taking the data. Because all you're doing is creating a dynamic where people are insecure for your own benefit. Now, you may maybe stand back and say, well, that's for his benefit because we support him and we want him to grow. So it's our benefit. Well, fine. Then just accept that you're leading into the problematic data collection system and advertising, targeted advertising that we've all tried to get away from because Tucker Carlson said. Or rather, maybe not, but it's happening. The policy is current as of the date of the set, set forth above. We may, And then, of course, we may change, update, modify this policy to reflect changes in our practices, services, applicable laws, period. Doesn't say when or how often, just whenever, whenever we want to. We encourage you to review this page regularly for the latest updates. Nobody does that. So, I hope that was important. I think it was. I think it's an important point to realize that whether or not people are, you know, a shill or fighting against you, you know, some secret, uh, you know, whatever. It's not always that simple. He may believe what he's doing. He may believe the two-party paradigm is going to save us all. But I ultimately think that no matter what you stand on, no matter what your perception, your political party, or aware that they're all lying, this is a problem. We all know that. And of course, just in general, 
you need to subscribe to view this content. Just again, shouting out our, you know, our demonstrating our value that we will never put things behind a paywall. And despite we do things like Rockfin or Subscribestar, the point is they are accessible about seven other locations despite that. If you want to support us through those platforms, you can subscribe to them and Substack for that matter. I was just about to write something on that today. So get ready. I'm going to be putting some new stuff out there uh, on Substack as, as uh, me, me writing and some of the things coming out. But anyway, the point is it's all free. Substack, everything, because that's how we should be operating in my opinion. But I'm not going to begrudge somebody for making money. But when it comes down to that versus what you claim is your objective to spread the truth, and I'm not even speaking about Tucker. I'm just making a broad point. It should be something that we ask. Now, on this larger point, and it's interesting that Tucker played a central role in this conversation, and in many ways calling it out. This is the Wall Street Journal from yesterday, excuse me, two days ago. The military's phantom extremists. How embarrassing this must be for all the people that were screaming about how this was going to end the world. But, you know, it's the same people that were screaming North Korea is going to end the world, the biggest threat to our democracy until they look somewhere else. Then they said Venezuela is the biggest threat to our democracy and it's going to end the world. And looked over here and said Syria is the biggest threat to our democracy. Well, you know, any one of them could have been. The point was they are just paranoid schizophrenics, basically, screaming about whatever the government pointed at that day. This was always an illusion. The evidence was staggeringly clear. So let's go through this, just so you can see what is now being put out, even by the corporate media. Question everybody, including us, including the corporate media, just because they say it does not make it true, just because it aligns with what we think also doesn't make it true. Question it all. But I think the facts definitely back this up. And it says, good news, the U.S. military isn't packed with violent extremists. That's the gist of a new report commissioned by the Pentagon in 2021. Of course, you could argue right there that the Pentagon has a vested interest in not letting that be the case. That's certainly a valid point. But again, I think the rest of the information backs up that this is actually the case. And it released quietly this report with very little notice last month. You shouldn't be surprised if you didn't know about it because you're not going to hear CNN or any of them come out and say, yeah, we're ridiculous. The result won't surprise Americans who have spent any time in uniform, but it should calm the media frenzy, probably not, about right-wing radicals in the armed forces. Now, this was about the concept of, you know, as we've termed vanilla ISIS, the MAGA trap, the idea that they were pretending that there was a domestic terrorism problem that was stemming from white supremacy that was somehow in a weird way working with foreign entities from around the world, despite that in the most comically ridiculous way, contradicting exactly what they tell you they live by, their ideology. But who cares? Because they're working together, bad guys, and that's kind of how this was pushed. And it fell flat. Doesn't That doesn't mean they didn't still push it aggressively like every other agenda. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin ordered an independent study to get greater fidelity, he said, on extremism in the ranks. The think tank tasked with the report, the Institute for Defense Analysis, quote, found no extremists in the military, or excuse me, found no evidence, excuse me, uh, that the number of violent extremists in the military is disproportionate. Meaning that, and I think it does say right there, to U.S. society. Now, right there, you could, there's an opening, you could argue, well, that's because it's that bad in the society. So all you're really pointing out is that it's just as bad as anywhere else, which is a problem. But that's not really what it's saying, and the facts don't actually back that up. But I'm sure that that's where you'll see that argument made. A review of Pentagon data suggests, quote, fewer than 100 substantiated cases per year of extremist activity by members of the military in recent years, the report says. Far less than what we're being told. The figure, this figure, that figure, excuse me, could include a range of conduct and ideological bent not simply white supremacy floated in the press. And you see, this is the game that is always played. You look at the general broad numbers and you just make it what you want, despite the fact 
or extremist Israeli or, you know, whatever you want to talk about. There's plenty of extremist aspects out there in the world. So the point is that these are people they claim have an ideological bent. You can see the same thing coming from the left of this conversation, radically driving in their trans agenda into, you know, there's all these different things that are happening. The point is that it's not unique to white supremacy. Take court materials. It says researchers found that, quote, the prevalence of extremist and gang related activity that are reflected in court martial opinions is limited to fewer than 20 cases since 2012. That's pretty crazy. Gang activity isn't typically political and excluding these cases, the number falls to one a year. You heard that right. One a year. And this is what they went this far for. You remember how dumb this was, right? This is, this, this is CNN. September 4th, 2021. White supremacy with a tan. It's like you just can't make up that kind of stupidity. I, I mean, I don't care whether you think it's an agenda or it's a private. This is just dumb. Like at the barest, lowest common denominator level. How exactly can you call it white? You know, you get the point. We went all about this when it was coming out. The point is, they were wrong. They lied to you, or they didn't do their due diligence, so you shouldn't listen to them. Even the January 6th story, it says, isn't what you've heard. Isn't that interesting? The IDA, again, which is the Institute for Defense Analysis, found that, quote, of the more than 700 federal cases in which charges were publicly available a year after these events, fewer than 10 were in the military at the time. So where did this even come from? Where were these allegations made? Because this is an obvious agenda. This is probably one of the most obvious, which I feel like it's becoming a common statement, but my God, these things are obvious these days. It says, quote, there's no evidence that service members are, were charged at a different rate than the members of the general population. But then, of course, and I'll make a point in a minute about how this was not even remotely what actually happened on January or January 6th. And, and that Truth in Media has broken this down. I mean, we've broken this down. It's, it's plainly evident that they were involved with trying to drive this into reality, that people like Ray Epps were pushing them to go in, and they've just ignored that blatant evidence. He even said on the record that he was the one behind it. I mean, it's obvious. You have evidence of the Antifa members there, members of a Ukrainian Azov member who was there screaming in Russian, let's go! This was a multifaceted, multi, this was an agenda that was much larger than January 6th, much larger than the two-party two system. And we're still seeing it play out, mind you, and I'll make a point in a second. But it says researchers deserve credit for noting that the risk to the military from widespread polarization and division in the ranks may be a greater risk than the radicalization of a few service members. Exactly what anybody logical and honest is saying. You're dividing everybody. You're polarizing people based on party lines, which only hurts the country. That's what they're doing. And lying about that, making it anybody that supports Trump is suddenly a terrorist. That's as stupid as saying anybody that supports Palestine is suddenly a terrorist. Oh, oh, oh there you go. We're, we're all Republicans out there who are currently doing that. Don't you remember 30 seconds ago being called a terrorist because you wore a red hat? Can't you recognize how that's happening again? Too many don't care. This is a welcome rebuke to the narrative that a, the military is a breeding ground for domestic terrorism. The press carried that story everywhere in 2021, including calls for tips. Literally putting an article out that says, have you witnessed far-right extremism inside the military? Because what does that do? Drives people to call based on anything. I saw a, rag, a MAGA hat today. And that goes down as another note. That's how this works. And now we're finding out that they lied. That's how that works. But the press interest in military extremism has outstripped the actual extremists available to cover. A RAND survey found that among veterans, support for extremist groups and extremist ideals is similar two or less than the general public. So the point is, there is no real point to be made here. There's no 
threat from the military as they made the case. I mean, because really this comes down to, I think, what they wanted it to be, which was January 6th with a military insurrection. They really tried to push that. It was obviously not the case. Now, as you can see, how embarrassing this is. And by the way, again, I'm not saying this is the case just because the Wall Street Journal said or because the study said. It's because the evidence is already there. This just confirms what we've already proven. But you can see everybody, everywhere, including independent media, in the two-party paradigm, of course, inside the U.S. military's battle with white supremacy, how the U.S. military has failed to address white supremacy, all of them wrong, all of them lying, or not doing their jobs. Unless you realize their job is to lie to you, then they're doing their job perfectly. It just goes on and on and on. It's just crazy. Crazy. Then, of course, again, these kind of ridiculous articles came out where they were then trying to conflate this, right? It was about the idea that, well, now they're working with Iran. Now they're working with Hamas. Now they're working with whoever we could point at to make it seem as if the people who are... Now, again, this is different, right? Now the conversation is flipped because most people that are, I would argue... Well, I don't want to say that because I, haven't, I find it really difficult to discern right now. But at least what they want you to think is that most Republicans support Israel. It's, again, it's an interesting shift from the fact that 30 seconds ago, they were the ones being called terrorists based on these kind of illusions. And the same thing is being done, not to Hamas, but to Palestinians. Nobody is supporting Hamas here. Well, not here. People are. And they, they have a right to do so. You don't get to decide what people can support and simply dictate that off limits. But the bottom line is, I'm supporting the Palestinian people. Why would I support a group that Israel literally funded, which is Hamas? See if I can get it right. I had it up somewhere in here. <laughs> I knew I would bring it up. Shoot, we'll come back to it. The point, though, as we've proven, I mean, I should just grab it since I mentioned it, but the, we, we've proven many times over, and so have many others writing about this, that, it, that Israel openly funded Hamas. I just don't get why that can't come into the mainstream conversation. Where are all the corporate media? You realize they all know this. This is Haaretz on October 9th saying if they want to thwart the two-state solution, which, by the way, they right at this moment pretended they were wanting while secretly saying, if we want to make sure we stop it, well, we have to fund Hamas, bolster transferring money to Hamas. And this is part of our strategy. And it goes on to say to, to divide the Palestinian people. It's very, very public and obvious. So it's interesting that we can't recognize the, the very entity that was funding these groups are the ones using them, just like they continue to this very day. Now, we've talked about this overlap in regard to the vanilla ISIS conversation. This was Whitney's outstanding article, which I highly recommend you check out from March 2nd, 2022. Ukraine, the new Al-Qaeda. And it's exactly what it sounds like. The game, the illusion that Al-Qaeda was some group fighting, you know, it was a U.S. proxy entity, with along with Israel, as we've seen them treat the supposed rebels on the border and the Golan Heights. I mean, it's all public information. So just like they did this before, Ukraine, which has been set up from a long time ago, by the way, as I've said many times, this was not just the Azov movement, which is the Azov movement is the group they created starting here in 1948. The documents prove the CIA has been cultivating fascism, predominantly from the Ukrainian organization for uh, Ukrainian nationalists, excuse me, the organization for Ukrainian nationalists which are a fascist entity. And they leaned into him. They set him up, Michael Lebed, who was a literal Nazi war criminal, and they set him up in the United States. They gave him a business called Prologue. They let him sell media to you, to people in the country. And why we can't recognize how nefarious that is, just like with the NASA conversation in Project Paperclip. But the point is, he also did it in Ukraine. And since then, they have been cultivating this very clear entity as there were stop 
points coming out from the FBI elements, from the CIA elements, telling you this was building just like we told you it was. And that's exactly what he writes about. The fact this was meant to be blamed on Russia to pretend that they were the ones creating terrorism inside of Ukraine to justify this agenda. It's, it's blatantly clear. But it didn't work. It, it failed because people are paying attention. The Patriot Front, January 6th, and the Vinalized PSYOP is something we've been talking about for a while. But don't forget, the larger point is that January 6th itself, in my opinion, that I think we can prove, was a failed false flag meant to blame Russia and you, whether or not you're Republican, but what they just say you are, using the CIA-grown Azov Battalion or movement. And this comes back to, this is Project uh, Operation Aerodynamic, or pro I think it was Operation Aerodynamic, Project Aerodynamic. It is a CIA program to train extremists, just like they did in Afghanistan, to mire Russia into a battle. It's amazing that I can talk about this every, I mean, constantly since 2021 or whatever started, and yet people still don't know this. You know, Laura Loomer will come in and give you a fraction of the story, leave out the Israel overlap because Israel is obviously funding these entities, and yet that's what people fixate on, you know? I can grab this real quick. As I've shown you many times, 2018, rights groups in Israel demand that Israel stop arming neo-Nazis. That should confuse you if you've never seen it before, but it's the reality. They were literally arming the Azov militia at the time, Azov movement. <clears throat> now we have here the one I followed up with, March 8, 2023, which was January 6th was always a very clear government operation and important, or that was the second part. But this is the point here, is that if you watch this, it's all there. All the source links always are down there for you. This guy, uh, Sergey Binion, I believe, he is an Azov member movement. It's all documented in the show. He worked, He's with the Azov movement. And yet here he is next to Jake on January 6th, filmed, as we show in this show, screaming, let's go in Russian. How do you not put that together? And then, of course, you've got the Antifa members, more than one, on the record, on film, which we show in this show, saying, we did it, we tricked them, I can't believe it. And somehow they magically couldn't find that in their investigation. This was what this was all about, guys. They were trying to create the illusion to justify the larger agenda. Now, just a quick side note. I saw this today. My brother actually said this to me. Don't fall for these obvious traps. Right now, you've got pro-Palestine protesters who are doing a sit-in inside the Capitol, right? Now, what's hilarious, and this is California, this, these are Jews, uh, Jews for ceasefire, or Jew, Jewish voices for ceasefire, I think, is, or for peace, I think is the name of the group. And of course, they, always, they get called anti-Jew, hate Jew, like Ben Shapiro called them trash. Why? Because they disagree with what the war is about. So we're protecting... The, like, the idea that somehow we're the ones against these people, it's hilarious. We're against anybody killing innocent people. I'm supporting Jewish people here, supporting Muslims over there, supporting Christians over here. I support anybody who needs support. However, Ben Shapiro and the rest of them have very specific things that they will not allow. You aren't allowed to say ceasefire because then you're trash. Anti-Jew, apparently, somehow, even though you're Jewish. It's, it's just insulting and obvious. But the point is, pro-Palestine protesters occupy and shut down the state capitol. Well, guess what? Everybody, insurrection, insurrection, insurrection. Some of them joking, some of them not. Now, my point was, it doesn't matter whether you're joking or not. It doesn't matter whether you're trying to make a pithy point about how clearly how it was done to call them. If you do that, you are doing what they want from you. You're stepping in and you're calling it insurrection, which then ultimately creates the same dynamic. If you're going to pretend that they called it an insurrection when it wasn't, and that's a huge deal, even pretending, even joking about this undermines your point. They want that from you. 
Neither of these were insurrections. Both of them should be supported because these are people fighting for what they believe is their right to protest. They commit a crime. You can't, I would don't, I don't support that. Just like we talk about on October 7th. It's, it's ridiculous that one person or two people or 10 of them can do things that then they pretend represents everybody. Here's an Aussie flag we claim we put out that somebody marched into the middle of this thing in Canada and we called them all Nazis the entire time. It's childish, it is ignorant, and we all see through it. Some people just choose to go into it because it works for their agenda. Hundreds of pro-Palestine protesters and other activists are occupying, and it's a sit-in, guys. They're literally sitting down. They're not being violent. They're not breaking anything. They're sitting there. That is what an that is what a protest is, whether or not it's in the Capitol. Now, you could argue they're violating a law of some kind, but to go as far as to argue that it's an insurrection is exactly what they want from you. Marjorie Taylor Greene literally called the last one an insurrection, and she was not joking because they want you to fall into this trap. This is how stupid they think you are. Prove them wrong, please. Now, let's not forget, this agenda goes back a long way if you forgot our coverage on this. This is from May 2022. The Buffalo shooter, right? He was linked to the Azov movement. As well as uh, this, I forget this one, blanking up top of my head, you guys will remember in the chat. Oh, here it is, the, the hero here on Ukraine, the guy who was in Ukraine fighting with all of his Nazi stuff. And then we have the Buffalo shooter. And the point. This is what we're talking about. These are shooters in the United States that are being driven by ideology from the Ukraine manipulation. What did they say then? Well, Russia is radicalizing people. Russia has a white supremacy problem. They were pushing this narrative aggressively, and they still try, but it's just fallen so flat because, you know what, quite frankly, people like Laura Loomer are ridiculous, a clown in my opinion, and, and they come out and they destroy any kind of momentum they might have had because they're just bad at what they do. But in this case, it's obvious that it was connected to the Azov movement, connected to the larger agenda in regard to claiming that this was something that was being done to the United States. And of course, that you, that's used to manipulate both the people in this country to think that that's happening. And then before, maybe before they even get into blaming it on somebody, right? Just saying, oh, you know, of course, taking it home, saying, well, it's because of our ideology, the white supremacy in the military. That's what happened because of this. When in reality, it's a CIA operation to train extremism that, by the way, literally calls on people to come from all over the world to continue to spread the white race around the world. That is what your government is supporting. That is an open statement by these people. Kasim brigades in Gaza. This is December 21st. Kill Ukrainian mercenaries. Now, we already talked about this. It's not unique to one field or another. We already have proof that they are, you know, he said, hey, mom, I'm in Ukraine or in Gaza. This is a Ukrainian mercenary. And uh, uh, Freddie Pontone has done some great work on this, too. Azov in the Gaza, Gaza occupation. How, and again, going back to this, we have to realize this is as obvious as it gets. These groups have been working with Israel for a very long time. Neo-Nazis. And then again, just include this in case you didn't see it. Israel funded the very group that they're telling you is responsible for all of this. And yet we don't talk about that. Now, the judicial reform is a big topic in all of this. I find this to be really important, not only because it's against essentially trying to create a situation where Netanyahu is above the law, knowing that literally, I mean, I should say that most people, the vast majority do not support him. But it's also important because it shows you that this is not just about what happened on October 7th, long before this started. People were protesting aggressively outside his home, outside of the Knesset, because they did not want him in power. They did not want what they were going to do here. And as it simply says, this a leak came out. This was on the 28th. That seems like an imitation. Oh, and the point he's making here is, I'll skip past this. 
is, of course, again, one of the obvious overlaps. These countries might as well be one and the same at this point. The governments, excuse me, the governments, terrible mistake I just made there. Not the same thing. The government is different than the country. You are the country. The point, well, they said, well, just like happened in the United States, where they leaked a conservative draft about the abortion conversation, which then drove certain policy, right? That's the same thing he's saying, which both should have been investigated, but they never are. They leak whatever they want all the time. But it says, if the leak is correct, the court indeed intends to strike down the law that eliminated what they call the reasonableness standard that will pass by the Knesset in July. Those who followed the court's hearing concerned concerning the petitions against the legislation could have estimated that this would be overcome, but it was done by a razor thin margin. Hold on, I want to make sure I miss a part up here. The bottom line is that this is something that would have allowed them to circumvent, or rather, basically, the court, the judges were allowed to strike down something if they thought that it was unjustified or or otherwise not appropriate. And so they're trying to skip past that and allow them to be simply, they could just do that. That was the judicial reform conversation to now which they've struck this down. And this is on the 28th, mind you. Now, this is according to Wednesday's report, this is the case. Channel 12 framed the decision as a second judicial overhaul, according to the report. The Supreme Court justices have objected to the short amount of time dictated by the former president. This was intended apparently to ensure that they both, that uh, they, they, this person retired and would not, and would take part in the decision. Basically, the timing of it would have allowed certain people to vote that would have otherwise not been able to. And they argue that those votes would have allowed this to pass or not, basically trying to manipulate the timing to get a one up on the other side which that's politics for you. They're always lying, always deceiving. According to the Israeli law, the two are allowed to sign a verdict within 90 days of the retirement. The deadline is January 12th. The claim is, therefore, that the leaked decision, which would have been controversial anyway, would have been overturned if the majority opinion supporters of those two had retired. An opposing claim can be made against the government. And I think basically, right here, I think, acting Supreme Court president, We'll have to investigate the reported leak draft. Such leaks are lifeblood of journalism. This was highlighted, but I missed there's a part that I'm missing. But anyway, the point was basically they're saying, well, it's it's back, right? This is now happening back, but here is where it was essentially struck down. High court strikes down key part of Netanyahu's judicial overhaul. This was today. Oh, excuse me, yesterday. Now I want to read you the top parts here. It says Israel's Supreme Court struck down a key component of Benjamin Netanyahu's contentious judicial overhaul. Really just trying to give himself absolute power. The court narrowly voted to overturn a law passed in July that prevents judges from striking down government decisions that they deem unreasonable. It's right there. A senior Israel Defense Forces spokesman has indicated that the military offensive in Gaza could apparently last throughout 2024. Just come, just think about that for a second. Can you imagine what's going on right now all the way until the end of this year for 12 months? I mean, this this is about driving people, and we'll see what we all get to today. It's about driving people to accept the fact that they need to be moved, as as Israel wants, which they've come out and said now. It's blatant, despite the fact that you can still engage on Twitter and people go, "You're a liar." He literally said it out of his own mouth. But you know, people these people fighting for narratives online aren't even paying attention to what they're saying. They have certain talking points, the Hasbara, that they just go for. The point, though, is that this is going to drive to a point to where people are. I mean, almost out of a sheer sense of humanity, like despite knowing that this is the dynamic and knowing that Israel is trying to force this in because they will, if we accept the fact that they're just going to keep bombing, no matter what we say, no matter what we do, save of like military invasion, 
to stop them, which at this point, quite frankly, I think is something we should discuss. But aside from that, the point is that they're, I just lost the thread there for a second, but it was in 2024, going through the end of the, of the discussion or end of the year. That, I think, there it is. The idea that they're you know driving these people into other locations. So people might just feel like, well, I know it's wrong. And I know what they're doing is illegal, but it's, I guess, the only choice we have. Let's move them somewhere else. So Israel, let's just murder them all. That's kind of what I think this is being driven toward, right? And if you're, how in the world are you going to pretend that what they're doing will take another 12 months? All they're really doing is pretending to get engaged in battles and bombing everything. Tensions in the Middle East were raised yesterday when U.S. helicopters exchanged fire with Iran-backed Houthi crews and small boats in the Red Sea after they received distress calls from a commercial container ship. The U.S. helicopters sank three boats. Right, because, you know, it's, it's common for the U.S. government to work alongside other world powers to suppress a starving nation that they've been suppressing for 20 years. This is typical, right? How dare they act in support of the just cause? How dare they? Now, I made the point with Robert, just because I think it's an objective point, that if they are, in fact, bombing these ships, and some of them may, in fact, be commercial vessels and not military. First of all, it matters whether Israel's using them, because that's certainly possible. They're all about human shields, despite the narrative. But either way, we have to be honest about the fact that if they're doing so, then whether you agree with it or not is different, that it would arguably be breaking the law. That's totally different. You can still go good because they're breaking the law too. It's all, it's your decision. But I think it's important that we just acknowledge that reality. But there's difference as well when we're talking about the shipping lanes. They have every right to shut down their territorial waters. And then should these ships push in any way, well, then you could argue they have a legal right. But you see, this is all the dynamic that's getting manipulated. And frankly, I think a lot of this is being lied about anyway. I'll show you what I mean in a second. I mean, I, I believe that this is happening. But I also believe, as we'll show you in a second, that they're lying about these two. Right? They don't need to wait for another rocket to fly. They'll just wake up that day. They've already done three or whatever and just go, well, let's just report they did and then take action. Who is going to argue? Same thing Israel does. Danish shipping giant Maersk announced a 48-hour pause on all transit through the Bob el Mandeb Strait. So arguably what they're doing is working, which connects the Red Sea to the Gulf of Aden and Indian Ocean. That's the one on the other side of the, of the Yemen continent or Yemen uh, country. And uh, the, the point is the other side of that is the, the uh, uh, shoot, Persian Gulf or the, the, I'm blanking on the extra name. Hold on. Make sure I don't miss, miss, say it wrong. The Gulf of Oman, but the Strait of Hormuz, that's what it was. Just been a minute since I've been focusing on all this stuff. So the over here, oh, you can't see the map I'm looking at, but the, the other side from the Strait of Hormuz between Africa and Yemen is this Bab el Mandeb Strait. Largely, in my opinion, why the U.S. government has been desperately starving this country to death in order to take over control of that area for exactly this purpose. And they failed. Right. So now, because this happened, this is what they were preparing for. Now they don't have control over that passageway. Not really. And I think this entire thing has been about trying to do that because they always knew this was coming. It says Netanyahu has continued to push back against calls for a ceasefire in Gaza and said on Saturday that the war was expected to go on for many more months. These, I mean, it just really is unbelievable that the entire, you know, whatever you want to call it, civilized society is just, which apparently doesn't exist. He's just sitting back and just letting this happen. I'll tell you, if I had any more ability to do anything, I would be doing it right now. This is unreal how much this is going on. The fact they're going, it may just last throughout 2024 and they just let it happen. U.S. gives them more weapons. We're going to get into why that's illegal anyway. More than 21,000 people have been killed in Gaza since the war began, the illegal occupation of genocide. 
according to the Palestinian Health Ministry, which even the BBC and AP have confirmed is accurate. More than 55,000 have been injured. Israeli military officials say that at least 170 soldiers have been killed during the ground invasion, which came after 100, uh, then it's now 1,200 because 200 of those were Hamas members they burned because they conflated them with their own people because they burned them alongside their own people. We know that now. It's been admitted by people who were there. And about 240 hostages, which I think Hamas argues it was less than that to start with. And they've already killed, I think, 30 plus of their own people per people who came back from Gaza, not Hamas, per Israeli Jews who came back and said they killed them alongside me. But, you know, fact, who cares about the facts when you're involved in a political battle? So that's all happening. He's losing control. And the main argument here is that if the longer he can maintain this, the longer he'll stay in power. And the U.S. government seems to be completely okay with that. So what do you know? He ventures out into Lebanon, right? So now he's spreading this out. Now, of course, they've argued from the beginning that we're, not from the beginning, but for a while before October 7th, that there was a, a threat coming from all these locations. Well, the reality is that they're illegally occupying pretty much all of them. Syria, right? Lebanon, Gaza, Yemen for the Houthis. I mean, that's, they're working with Israel and the United States. I mean, all of these are illegal occupations, every single one of them. So they're the occupier, which means every one of these locations have, you remember, the legal right to armed rebellion per the Fourth Geneva Convention. And yet they go terrorists, everybody, because we don't like that they're defending themselves. Israel bombs Beirut, the capital, the civilian. And don't forget how many times we've heard Gantz, Yow, all of them say, if you, you, you know, Lebanon, you better listen. We can do the same thing to you. He said that openly. And what I say, he's threatening to bomb. He's threatening to genocide a civilian city of Beirut. And here we go. Here we, now it's, now it's beginning. Four reportedly killed. And as Robert writes, this is a declaration of war on Lebanon. Of course it is. We will now see if Hezbollah responds, which quite frankly, I don't know how they don't. And they might've already responded. Hezbollah is not something, first of all, Hezbollah, Houthis, these are not terrorist organizations. Now, you could argue that Hamas is far more in that vein, but things have shifted since the illusion or the brother, the argument that they're all about Palestinian resistance. They were being funded by Israel in order to keep them divided. And then things have changed since 2006 a lot. And many argue that they have, you know, new people have grown up, that the situation has changed. Now they do not support Israel. But you could argue that there's more overlap than we think. But the interesting part of it is that the Houthis, the Hezbollah, these are popular movements that are voted in by the people. And all they can do is just go, we disagree because we don't like you. This guy, Hadi, who's sitting over here in Saudi Arabia and Riyadh for 10 years, he's the real leader. None of the people want him. They didn't vote for him. Nobody but the U.S. government and Israel want them there. And that's how this works. What happened to Guaido? Remember, Guaido is the only valid, you know, valid president of Venezuela, except until we need oil. And then shut up, Guaido. You don't count anymore. So your interests are more important than democracy? Yeah, it always has been. If they cared more about democracy or whatever you want to pretend that means, they would have fought for Guaido no matter what. But nope, they needed oil from Maduro, so they just kind of shoved him aside because they're all used that way. So when you think about Hezbollah, do not think of some terrorist organization run by Iran. That's the most naive and willfully ignorant view about the facts. Not true. Now, I'm not going to say that you might not disagree with some of the things they do. You also might aggressively disagree with some of the things the U.S. military might do. So think about that for a second and ask yourself why that's different. Now, the cradle writes, Iran vows retaliation after top commander killed in Israel, killed in Israel attack on Syria. So my point in showing you this, this was from December 25th. It's on Christmas. 
So they're going to, they love to try to act like they fired, they started it always, you know, ignoring 75 years of illegal occupation and apartheid and brutal. Like the point is they always make that argument. So let's just talk about today in Lebanon, Beirut. Well, does this matter? Does it matter that Israel bombed and killed their commander? Not Hamas, an Iran commander in Syria, which by the way, they're allies. They're allowed to work with each other. I mean, it's just silly to pretend otherwise. Iran is not terrorism. It's just so painfully stupid to watch people engage with it as if that is all, you know, that because the U.S. government said this entire country is just terrorism or their military, just terrorists. Well, based on that same logic, you could say all the U.S. military is. But of course, it's not an even application. My point is they already killed somebody in regard to both the, well, which in this case, we're talking about Iran. But then this leads into the Iran discussion as well. But this also it overlaps with the Lebanon discussion because Israel is making the allegation that all of it is Iran. So when they bomb Syria, when they bomb Beirut or Lebanon in general or any other overlap, they say it's because Iran was there. How long have we covered this? So realize that they are driving this into reality. They're bombing people in Syria. It's an illegal bombing. The United States bombs Iraq, an illegal bombing. They're literally occupying the area. It's the same argument for Gaza. They are breaking the law. They're bombing these places all over. They're, they're driving this into reality. This is the multi-front war they want. Freddie Pontone writes, Iran rejects the U.S. claim uh, that, that Iran targeted a tanker off the Indian coast. Right, so this is saying, Iran's foreign ministry says, uh, rejected Monday as worthless Washington's claim that a drone attack targeted a tanker off the coast of India and was fired from Iran. Right, so just the Houthi aspect of this, before we even get into the Iran overlap from Yemen, the argument that I, I have no doubt, they've even stated themselves that they're doing this in, in, the, in support of what's going on with Gaza. God forbid they support the largest genocide or support, they are fighting against the ob, most obvious genocide in our history, in our living memory, right? That God forbid. But the reality clearly is that they're using this, right? Houthis fired a rocket. Just like we talked about Saudi Arabia. Now we have. Iran simply says, we didn't do that. Well, it doesn't matter. They've already moved because of it. In fact, they've already literally bombed Iran because of it. And we'll talk about that next. Now, you could argue Iran is lying. Certainly possible. But just realize how many times, just like the John Bolton, the Lippet Mines, that whole discussion, they lied to you. It was provable. They had nothing other than them, Iran moving boats in their own harbors. And they called that a credible threat and then went on to carry out a bunch of false flags because that's what Bolton does. His history is shockingly clear. Elliot Abrams, John Bolton, you know, Trump's fantastic cabinet. U.S. warship down for, uh, four drones over the Red Sea. And the Pentagon said on Sunday, a day after the India flagged oil tanker was hit by an attack drone allegedly from Iran. As I, as I mentioned a moment ago, U.S. airstrikes hit what they claim are the PMU, Qatar of Hezbollah, sites in Iraq after an attack on U.S. troops. Right, a, a legal attack on occupied on an occupier. So when they respond and bomb them, they're bomb, that's the illegal act. No, There's no way around this. They have the right to armed rebellion. It doesn't matter whether you disagree with it. That is the law. Now, guess what you guys love to tell us? Well, if you don't like the law, then try to change it. It is the law, though, isn't it? I think the bottom line is it's not even about, for me, the law or what the U.S. government has dictated. It's about the simple reality that these people are oppressed. They are the ones who are being occupied. They are the oppressed. I don't know why we can't see that by now. Now, here's Mint Press News writing, Israel is under attack from seven fronts. This was on the 27th of December. According to Yoav uh, Yo Gallant, inside and outside of Palestine. 
Guess what he says? We're in a multi-front war and are coming under attack from seven theaters. Gaza, Lebanon, Syria, West Bank, Gaza, Iraq, Yemen, and Iran. Think about that. They're literally, this was on the 27th. That's before most of this happened. They're creating the dynamic. They're driving this in because when they have that, because of their own actions, the U.S. government's probably going to be obligated to step in. God forbid. Now, the drone strike in Beirut killed a senior Hamas leader, they claim. This drone strike hit a Hamas office in Beirut. Now, ask yourself how this makes sense. First of all, what about the civilians who also died in this bombing, right? This is Lebanon we're talking about. What about the fact that there are Hamas leaders literally comfortably living in offices in Qatar that Israel said they wouldn't go after, that Netanyahu literally is working with to discuss the exchange? I mean, it's just such a blatant mystery. I mean, it, it, this is about creating the illusion that they're fighting the terrorists while taking out anybody that they don't like. I think it's very obvious because they're maintaining their Hamas leadership right now. And if somebody asking for the link for that, it's just, it's an open statement. Netanyahu blatantly said, we will not go after them until after the war. And the point is that what we're talking about is maintaining the leadership element. The only real thing you would argue needs to be taken out to clearly eliminate this other than the ongoing bombings or just pretending like that's what they were doing. But no, they're comfortably living over here. The same country that's protecting them is working to make deals about the hostages. If you can't see how that doesn't make sense, you just don't want to. A U.S. official told the Washington Post that Israel was responsible for the strike that killed Salah al-Ari, the, the Hamas member, the deputy chief of Hamas's political bureau. The, Israel, the Israeli attack on the Lebanese capital marks a huge escalation and could provoke a major war, which I almost guaranteed to happen. Lebanon, Hezbollah is not going to let this fly, just based on their, their policy, their, their actions in the past. Hamas has confirmed that al-Ari was killed and released a statement on his assassination. The cowardly assassinations carried out by the Zionist occupation against the leaders and symbols of our Palestinian people inside and outside Palestine will not succeed in breaking the will and steadfastness of our people and then undermining the continuation of their valiant resistance. Now, this is Hamas, of course, speaking on this, and we have to remember that Hamas is funded and has been funded by Israel. So just let that flavor the possibilities that's going, that are going on here. But for me, we're talking about the... I mean, it does, if you're, it's just like with Soleimani, when they bombed, which, by the way, we're going to talk about next, when they bombed... Under the flag of peace, by the way, diplomatic invitation, bombed him in the Syria in the airport. It's the same conversation. Now, it doesn't matter that you think Hamas is X, Y, and Z. There is supposed to be some kind of a process to this, especially when you're talking about the reality that other civilians have been killed. I just think this is so over the top. We can watch what they're doing. And, and again, like I said to start, I think that it's just going to get worse. Until, I mean, again, again, the kind of thing that we have the ability to do, which is just speak out and stand up and, and try to, it, it requires somebody who actually has authority to make this really stop, which is really frustrating to me because they know they're caught just like Netanyahu, but they guess they're just going to keep rolling this out. And that is my biggest problem right now. But it says so far, Israel is not officially taking credit for the attack, but Israel officials are often ambiguous about their operations in neighboring countries. If confirmed, the drone strike would mark the first Israeli attack on Beirut since the 2006 Lebanon War, which they were destroyed. Israel and Hezbollah have been trading fire across the Israel-Lebanon border since October 7th. Here, the main point for this, guys, you know why? Because Israel is occupying Lebanon. It's a fact. And what's interesting to me 
is that that doesn't come into play in the conversation. So that makes Lebanon the occupied. It makes Israel the occupier. Big surprise. So that means that they have a right to armed rebellion. So when they bomb this location, it's a crime just like everything else they're doing. It doesn't matter whether you say, you know, this person was there. Now, War Monitor says confirmed by all the news outlets he was assassinated by a drone strike in Lebanon. Iran blasts updates, apparently deadly explosions, target Soleimani death anniversary. Just to jump over to this. So point is, as this is happening, right? So this happens yesterday. The next day, we see bombing in Iran. Like, how do you not connect these? The argument is clearly that they're, in my opinion, trying to drive this into reality. Because this is what desperation looks like. You're trying to create a literal world war, kinetic or otherwise, in the hopes that you don't lose power. Listen to people that know Netanyahu. They think he is a maniac. That's why his people don't support him. But yet we're we're allowing this guy to drive us into the war? Blast kills nearly 100 at slain commander memorial. Iran vows revenge. And there you go. And now it's beginning. We got Hezbollah that was just attacked. And we're going to see them rise up. And now Iran is literally vowing revenge. Nasrallah says that Hezbollah is prepared to wage no limit war on Israel. So there's Lebanon telling you, or rather Hezbollah saying, we're, there's no limitations at this point. Which why would there be? If we've literally watched what they've been being, has been being done to them over and over and over. Now, hold on a sec. I thought I had the, um, I wanted to grab a, I guess I didn't put it in the beginning. That's too bad. Hold on. Let me close some of this. Here it is. So we'll come back to this in a second, but I, I wanted to make this point. So we're talking about Lebanon, right? In one of these cases. One of the things the Israeli government keeps screaming about is UN Security Council Resolution 1701. You know, literally while they ignore every other security resolution passed about what they should do. Because that's, that's what a hypocrite looks like. The point, though, is that what it says is the one they're calling on is a resolution that intended to resolve the 2006 Lebanon War. Which calls for full secession of hostilities and the withdrawal of Israel troops from Lebanon. So can you tell me which one didn't happen? I'll give you one guess. You probably won't need more than one. They never stopped occupying the territory, just like we're seeing in literally every other location because they never intended to. They were hoping they could take advantage of this like they do in every other deal. I'm talking about the Zionist government. It says it was unanimously approved by the United Nations on October, uh, August 2006. The Lebanese cabinet unanimously approved the resolution. The Le- Lebanon was all for it. On the same day, the Hezbollah leader said that the militia would honor the call for ceasefire. It stopped. And Israel never stopped occupying territory. So, you see, we go forward, and the argument becomes that, well, Hezbollah fired at this point. Wait, you you never met your obligation. And the cowardly U.S. government is too afraid to make that statement because, you know, you can make up your own mind why. So this is where we are in this conversation, where we're provably dealing with occupation, illegal occupation, and claiming that because they're responding, or even just in general, the point is that they are the occupier. And it's the same dynamic that applies to what's going on in Gaza. And this is what we're, this is what I'm talking about and what I'm expecting. The U.S. government is now weighing strike options on the starving nation of Yemen because of the Red Sea attacks, right? My point is, how do we know these are all happening the way they say they are? They've admitted to some, but I've proven to you, like, just like Iran said, we didn't do that. What do they need to prove? Do they ever try to prove anything? They say they did this and we did that. There's no way you can ever find out. They do that all the time. 
And that doesn't then mean that it's not possible they didn't do it all other times. But you have to admit they do this just like Israel does. Landed in an open field. Now we kill all these people. And several Hezbollah members killed in Israeli strikes as erupting tensions royal on the border. So this has gone way beyond just the bombing in Beirut. They've now seen skirmishes increase on the border. And we've seen Hezbollah members killed. I'm sure this is Times of Israel, so I can almost guarantee that Israeli people killed too. But they just pretend it didn't happen. This is getting increasingly dangerous, guys. Far more than we thought before. Now let's talk about, now we are one and a half hours here. Let me see, trying to gauge where I'm going to get to. That was mostly what I wanted to get into today. Now, what the rest of it is all just stuff we can get into today or tomorrow. That's all important to Gaza and Israel. But I wanted you to I wanted you to see this. This is an 18-year-old article that really highlights a specific tendency around authority in the Zionist state, illegal Zionist state of Israel. And I've never ever I, mean, I even I've made the point plenty of times. I don't even mean every IDF member. Plenty of them have had issues with what they were told to do, just like in the US military. But there is a very clear thread as Abby Martin's work has pointed out, as plenty of others have made very clear to the manipulated people of Israel who lean into the same thing, just like we see with the U.S. military. This was 18 years ago. Not guilty. The Israeli captain who emptied his rifle into a Palestinian schoolgirl. As Israel, the Israel, an Israeli army officer who fired an entire magazine of his automatic rifle into a 13-year-old Palestinian girl and then said he would have done the same even if she was three years old was acquitted on all charges by a military court. That was Wednesday, the 15th of November, 2005. Think about that. Yeah, of course. It says, let's see where we start on here. After the verdict, Amon's father said the army never intended to hold the soldiers accountable. That's the father, of course. They did not charge him with the murder, only with small offenses. And now they have say he's innocent of those, even though they shot his daughter many times. The military court created the soldier of illegal use of his, cleared him of the illegal use of his weapon, conduct on becoming an officer, and preventing the course of justice by asking soldiers under his command to alter their accounts of the incident. Okay, this is literally written by the corporate media. Quite a bit different back then. Now it says, where was the main part here? It, this is important. The Army's official account said that Iman, the, the young girl, schoolgirl, I think she was 13 was that she was shot for crossing into a security zone, carrying her school bag, a backpack, which soldiers, they claim, feared might have contained a bomb, which I guess you could argue is somehow, you know, the, it's about the dehumanization, right? The, the lack of concern for their, like the idea that certainly you could argue that might be possible, but to, is the argument then to just shoot that child 50 times? Because maybe? Certainly sounds like what we're seeing today, doesn't it? Do you know any other country that acts like that, that does that, that, stat, that not only does it, but then literally removes the accountability and says, you didn't even break the law because you know what? They might've had a, you know, guess what though? There was no bomb, right? So there wasn't a bomb. So the mere allegation that there might have been a bomb with no reason to expect that there would be one was enough to murder this girl. Three, he said it would do it if it was a three-year-old child. How do you not understand the kind of mentality that that is? It says it is still not known why the girl ventured into the area, but witnesses described her as at least 100 yards from the military post, which was in any, well, any case well protected. So save for a bomb, there's really no logical reason why they would have done this. But here's where it gets even more alarming. A recording of radio exchanges between this person 
only known as Captain R, of course, because they just don't want you to know who he is because they know that you think this is disgusting. And his troops obtained by an Israeli television, they exchange, they, they got the radio exchanges. They revealed that from the beginning, soldiers identified Amon as a child. Now it says in the recording, a soldier in a watchtower radioed a colleague in the army post's operations room and describes Amon as, quote, a little girl who was, quote, scared to death. So it's a child who is now somehow, for whatever reason, wandering in this direction, doesn't know what's happening, and is scared. After soldiers first opened fire, because that's how quickly that happened, she dropped their school bag, which was then hit by several bullets, establishing that it did not contain an explosive. So she's alive at this point. They fired at her. She dropped the bag. It begins moving away. They fired on the bag. Okay, so not an explosive. At that point, she was no longer carrying the bag. So there goes your, your justification. And the tape revealed that she was, in fact, heading away from the Army Post when she was shot in the back. This is what we're talking about. So how do you pretend that that was justified, regardless of the explanation? Although the military speculated that Iman might have been trying to lure the soldiers out. So this is what you do. So now you just manufacture a hypothetical that might have justified. Well, I guess we'll never know. So all you're really saying is we can do whatever we want. We can kill whoever we want as long as we feel like there might be a justifiable reason whether or not it ends up being true. Is that not exactly we can get away with this? Not even the U.S. government, guys. I mean, it's unreal. It says Captain R made the decision to lead some of his troops into the open. Shortly afterwards, he can be heard on the recording saying that he has shot the girl believing her dead, then went on to, quote, confirm the kill. I and another soldier are going in a little nearer forward, basically just, you know, so went over and then shot her a couple more times just to be sure. That's what happened. Palestinian witnesses said they saw the captain shoot Iman twice in the head, walk away, turn back, and fire a stream of bullets into her body. Because that makes sense, right? It's, it's, it's vindictive. On the tape, Captain R then, quote, clarifies to the soldiers under his command why he killed Iman. He says, quote, this is commander. Anything that's that's mobile, that moves in the security zone, even if it's a three-year-old, needs to be killed. So it's it's just a it's a whitewash. There's no accountability. You, you just because you set some arbitrary number, you know. And by the way, those things rapidly change. Like the distance they're allowed to go out into the ocean to fish changes, and they don't even know when. So they always worry they're going to get killed just by going out in the water, which is the same thing. They say if you go past this line, you get shot. No questions asked. And they arbitrarily change that line based on their own interest whenever they want to and don't inform anybody about it. That's why it happens often where people go out and get shot. Nobody cares because no one's reporting on it. So a child. So it's not possible that a tiny child could be confused about what's going on and walk in that direction because she wants to be protected. Now, that may outrage some people that are, you know, even children are very aware that they're not going to be protected by Israeli soldiers. My point is simply that to just continue to argue doesn't matter what happened. Just the hypothetical is enough to murder people because we say so. That's the kind of mindset I'm talking about. At no point did Israel troops come under attack. The prosecution case was damaged when a soldier who initially said he had seen the Captain R point his weapon at the girl later said he had fabricated the story. So ask yourself why he would do that. That is what got him off. So here's the crazy part, guys. He did shoot her. It's on tape. So here is a perfect example of how the Israeli government will willfully lie to you to cover up their crimes. Knowingly, guys, that's the point. 
they then asked, or however you want to think this happened, somebody asked these, this person to say, I lied about that. Even though you have on video the person doing what he just pretended he lied about. So somebody got to him, somebody forced, coerced, asked nicely, and he lied. And that, got, that person got off, and there was no justice for Iman. Welcome to Israel. Captain R claims that he had not fired the shots at the little girl, but near her. However, of course, the inspectors, the doctors, and everybody else said he was lying. But, you know, that's how this works in Israel. Now, here is what somebody said in response to this. Thank you to Pelham for sharing the story. This person says, I see you provided no context for the soldier's actions, obviously on purpose. Well, I'm always one that gets angry about the fact that they're, no, she has the link right there. So this guy's just, <laughs> people are angry, I guess, that I say dumb and stupid, but I think sometimes it applies. But I posted this. I said, here you go, bud. Does that work for you? Literally citing that they say we saw her and the we, you know, literally was scared to death. And then we proved that she shot as she was walking away. That's not enough context for you. And he says, you're letting hatred get in the way. Did you read what you posted? Well. Yeah, man, it's right. I mean, these are, these are people that are, I don't even know. Like, I think this becomes a point of trying to just act like you're right. Even though it's obvious that, you know, you see what I highlighted, what I typed was very simple. So obviously I see what I posted, right? He simply says he radioed someone in the operations room. Yeah, man, that's literally what it says right there. And then they proved she was walking away. It says the person who shot the girl would not have been in the operations room. Like this guy didn't read it. Think about how ridiculous that is. He read this screenshot and then responded because that's what smart people do, a la Twitter files, right? No, no, no. You read the entire article because the whole point is that it's obvious when you read this, the context is clear. And even to the point where you know they lied and they got nothing happened. Have you got anything else? Something that is relevant? <laughs> it's ridiculous. This person just makes fun of them. You're so intent on missing the point. Mike Pompeo swings in. Every civilian casualty in Gaza is the direct fault of Hamas. Like, I just don't get why anybody could pretend that this is a logical argument. You can feel free to argue that this is all happening because of Hamas. But to just arbitrarily just go, there's no fault whatsoever, no matter what they do, because October 7th. That's all they're doing. It's because of Hamas. Hamas did this, so everything we do is now legal. That's what these ridiculous people are doing. The fastest way to end the war is to support Israel and its mission to destroy Hamas. Okay, let's pretend like we all did that. So we go, okay, we support you, go. What changes? Is that the fastest way? We lie, we cheat, we steal Pompeo? No, it's the exact thing that's already happening because nothing will change other than the fact that we go do it then. And they keep going and they keep bombing and they keep and the, they keep trying to achieve exactly what they're trying to achieve, which is not about Hamas. Pompeo knows this. This guy is ridiculous. He's an obvious manipulator from the moment he, I've, I've ever seen his work. This guy stems back to some of the most obvious and egregious manipulations long before Trump's administration. And he simply says, this, Adam says, no, it's the fault of the ones who supply and the ones who drop the bombs. You utter donkey, right? I mean, exactly. I mean, just think about how insulting it is. And he's, I mean, look at him. Like these days, I think that they're actively trying to avoid getting ratioed, probably using fake sites to up these things, right? But you know, how often do you get 4.4 thousand comments? It's just, it's, what's ridiculous is to somehow pretend like no matter what happened first, that your actions are somehow not your fault. I mean, really think about how wild that is, how like reimagining how we live the live in the world that is. Great reset, reimagining everything, apparently including accountability, unless it's you, right? We, government says what they want you to think, and that's the case no matter what. But Israel can do whatever it wants as long as it just screams the word Hamas. That sound familiar? Right. 
everything we see from U.S. foreign policy is exactly the same. Freedom, ISIS. Doesn't matter that we killed 90% of civilians with our drone campaign. Because freedom, you know? But we're finally paying attention. Well, let's remember, if we're talking about human shields, which is the entire argument for why that even makes sense, Israel has already been accused of that by the UN, by Haaretz, or excuse me, by, by uh, Human Rights Watch, that's Selim, Amnesty International. Uh, I mean, pretty much every international group has acknowledged the obvious and publicly stated reality that they have a policy called the neighbor procedure. 2013, Palestinian children tortured, used as shields by Israel per the United Nations. Reuters, Israeli soldiers who used Palestinian boy, a nine-year-old, as human shield avoid jail. Defense for Children International, an international human rights group. Israel forces use five Palestinian children as human shields. That's 2023. This is from 2017. Generally, human shields. Since the beginning of the occupation in 1967, Israeli security forces have repeatedly used Palestinians in the West Bank and the Gaza Strip as human shields. Israeli soldiers routinely use Palestinian civilians as human shields by forcing them to carry out life-threatening tasks. It was also following a high court petition against this practice which was filed by human rights organizations around the world in May 2002, that the IDF issued a general order prohibiting the use of Palestinians as a means of human shield against gunfire or attacks by the Palestinian side. But then it goes on to say, following the order, the use of human shields dropped sharply. However, the arms the army did not construe as a human shield the use of Palestinians, provided they consented. The army continued the widespread use of this practice, which they referred to as the neighbor procedure. Following another petition filed by human rights organizations, the High Court of Justice ruled that this practice, too, violated international humanitarian law and that this thus was illegal. And guess what they've never stopped doing? Here is the Institute for Middle East Understanding, the neighbor procedure, Israel's use of Palestinian human shields from 2012. Human Rights Watch. During military operations, Israeli soldiers routinely coerced Palestinian civilians, including children, to perform life-endangering acts that assisted military operations, the practice known as the neighbor procedure. Now, see this? Here is Bet Selim's article I'll include that goes over that exactly. This is an Israeli human rights group that's been calling this out. I mean, it's just alarming. And I'll include this 17-minute version of the larger show, which has the links down here to all of the information, so you can find all the source material. But it's just, this is an example right on the image that you can see. This is what we're talking about. Now, of course, they'll claim that he volunteered, That's but that's been called out too. They're abusing their, their authority, just like they always do. Now, Daniel McAdams points out that we are being forced to pay for this. They have just bombed another, have another massacre at the Jablia refugee camp from the Israeli army. My God. I mean, you know, this almost deserves for you. I just don't know where the humanity is for some of these people. How in the world can you pretend that this makes sense? Like, I don't believe that everybody who wants, who is supporting Israel and all this hates Palestinians. I just don't believe that. I think a lot of them are being manipulated. But how do they not see what we're showing here? Just take a shot. Just take a look at that picture, guys. 
I mean, it looks like the effing Terminator, right? I mean, this is outrageous. This this is a civilian refugee camp. Did, and didn't they already bomb this area? And isn't that an area they claim they've now controlled? But yeah, they bomb it again, you know, because it's not about Hamas if you just pay attention. I'll tell you right now, this topic in general, I've talked a lot about over the years how much I'm able to, I feel like I'm good, like I'm made for this. You know, that, I, that is, these things, I, I feel like I'm very emotionally connected, but I've always found that I'm, you know, I, first of all, I don't feel like that con- that undermines my logic and all of this. And I mean, not in the sense of where I'm being emotional in the conversation, but rather that I care about the people that are being stepped on. But even then, you could argue that emotion has an effect there. But my point would be that, I mean, I don't know. I think that the overall point is that this stuff rests with me and I really can't let it go. I don't mean in the sense that we can, we can cover other things. This, the sound of that video, you know, the overall sound of things like that. I swear to God right now I'm waking up to stuff like this. I feel like this has been sitting with me since this started. And it's just this helpless feeling about, you know, how do, what else can we do to just stop this? It's, and, and yet, and, and then even worse, you're, you're bumping head on with people that are acting like you're supporting terrorism and hate Jews because you just want bad things to stop. And on top of that, they're the ones acting like they're righteous and fighting for freedom while they're literally supporting genocide. It's this, it's this inversion of reality that people are seeing through, but it's the authority, it's the structure that is very clearly leaning into this. And it's unreal to me. It really sits with me. Now, Biden's administration once again bypasses Congress on an emergency weapon sale to Israel, right? Because that's what normally happens for democracies. You just ignore the legal processes because genocide well, that's what they've done more than once. Derek just discussed this. Twice they've now done this, at least at least twice. And Netanyahu then made it clear, the reason we're going to go through 2024, well, thanks to U.S. weapon sales. Good times. As David or Daniel McAdams pointed out. We are paying for this. I don't care about the ridiculous people that tried to pretend for a moment in history that your tax dollars don't somehow fund what they're doing. That it's something different. You know, it's obvious that your tax dollars that they steal from you constantly fund what they're doing. And pretty much nothing that you need. Vast majority of this goes to overseas agendas. Now, this is an important part. Thank you to Stuart Hall and Oates for pointing this out. I find this to be, I mean, I feel like there's at least three other things that are in this exact vein. I was doing this before I started. I'm like, what am I forgetting about right here? Where these kind of things happen. Where they just, oh, well, the Azov movement. There's one. I knew I couldn't remember before. So, for instance, the Azov movement is being funded through Ukraine, even though currently there is U.S. legislation that says that's illegal. Nobody cares. You'd think somebody would care. Even You would think somebody might use that as a political tool to gain, but nope, not even that, because there's things they all, all secretly agree on. The point is that that is absurd, that you can understand that they are as Congress voting for breaking the law to send weapons to open extremists that are literally written into our congressional our, our, our legislation saying by name that the Azov movement can't be funded or through another channel. You can't give it to Ukraine and gives it to them. But they do anyway. I just think we need to really grasp how far away we are from what they always tell you we have. 
Doesn't mean we can't fight back and change this, man, but this is clear to me. Now, here's the case about what's going on in Israel. Not only are they continuing to fund this genocide, while literally everybody who is usually on their side is screaming, this is genocide, the UN, every aspect of it, Oxfam, every human rights organization, NGOs, uh, everywhere. Even most countries at this point are going, yeah, even China, even uh, 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 France and the United States. Hey, you know, maybe stop, just kill less civilians, please. You know, it's, it's obvious what we can see. And they just keep bypassing Congress to push this in. And the point is that this is illegal. So not only are they pushing this and bypassing Congress, which in and of itself is, I guess, quasi-illegal, executive order, BS, whatever, but the point is that they are not only breaking the law by bypassing Congress, they're breaking the law because you are not allowed to sell weapons to a country that has nuclear weapons. Yeah, and and Israel does, despite the game that is played, and all the Israel sycophants are going to come out and say they don't have any weapons, despite the fact that they've literally been caught repeatedly and sheepishly saying exactly what you... He's not supposed to say. That's what he said right there. And they all chuckle at the fact that he admitted they have nuclear weapons. The headline is Netanyahu calls Israel a nuclear power before correcting himself in an apparent slip of the tongue. And you watch the video. It's sheepish. He looks embarrassed because it's ridiculous because they all know it's an open secret, but you're just not supposed to say it out loud because you're breaking the law. So as he writes, fun fact, all U.S. aid to Israel is technically illegal under U.S. law, which prohibits aid to nuclear powers that don't sign the Nuclear Nonproliferation Treaty. Israel never has because they deny the fact that they have them. The U.S. skirts this law by allowing Israel to simply pretend they don't have nukes. And now it even bypasses Congress. And he writes, there's plenty that's been written and said about this by present and past public officials and experts, as well as a lawsuit that unsuccessfully challenged the policy in 2016. Here's some background about the issues from Mondo Weiss article. And uh, there's, I mean, we've talked about this in a lot of different ways. This has been admitted by think tanks, been admitted by different organizations, corporate media, Israel nukes are finally newsworthy as U.S. government both releases and gags info. The point is you don't need to look much further because, again, they admitted this openly. And on top of that, this point, it was as as mummy of the Givadi Brigade points out, was just a couple of weeks ago that the Israeli Minister of Heritage suggested to nuke Gaza. (laughs) They don't even hide it anymore. Right. We remember that. Nuke Gaza. And, of course, Netanyahu then penalized him for saying that, I think, removed him from his position. But it doesn't change the fact that we know they have them. And your government does not care. As they're using human shields and pretending everybody else is doing the same. Now, to try to rapidly wrap this up, I think, as I say that all the time and then take another hour, but when statistics on the Israeli attack on the Gaza Strip from the latest of December 27th, which I haven't seen an update from Euromed Human Rights Monitor, which has, in my opinion, been the most accurate. 29,124 people killed in Gaza over 11,000 children, 26,000 of them are civilians based on the numbers they're breaking down. Just think of the ratio there. That's assuming any of them are actually Hamas. 101 journalists have been killed. Now, you didn't see this, by the way. I think this is sort of hilarious. Nikki is just, I think, on some desperate run to like maybe align with some old school neocon group. She's ridiculous. I mean, she is probably the most ridiculous person on the stage. I mean that. As ex- ex- made an example of this, or as exa- as demonstrated by this, Nikki Haley attempts to tie Hamas to Putin. See my point? We're way past that, but yeah, but she's going to go back to the old school game. Hamas invaded Israel on October 7th. October 7th is Putin's birthday. Oh my gosh. And they call us conspiracy theorists. Question everything. Certainly me, right? I don't even know if it's true, quite frankly. 
Find out. <laughs> of course, here's the hill. This is where it comes from. People like Nikki Haley just regurgitate what they think there is the smart thing. Ham- Hamas's October 7th birthday gift to Putin. Concerns are increasing that Israel-Hamas conflict will become an... I, I gotta find this. Putin's birthday on October 7th may well have factored into Hamas's planning. God, that's so ridiculous. And you won't find a single da- valid data point that makes any sense of that other than it just happens to be Putin's birthday. Well, you could probably find out that it's some other actor's birthday. Were they involved too? <laughs> Apparently so. As I said, she went full vi- full Zionist. You never go full Zionist. And of course, we can see endless examples as Rami Abdul, he was a assistant professor of law and finance, chairman of the Euromed Human Rights Group, pointing out that alarming footage has now shown Israeli forces turning the stadium in Gaza into a mass detention camp. The video shows the detention of hundreds of civilians, including women. And no, this is not the one you saw before. You know, all the people they released and many of them were killed and they stole organs. And many of these people were shown to not, and all in fact, were shown even by the IDF to not be what they said they were. Now they've confirmed the Israeli forces are carrying out field executions against civilians in Gaza. That's what we're talking about. This is a human rights group that is calling them out for literally assassinating people that are simply just Palestinians, not even under the assumption that they're Hamas, just because they're Palestinian. Daniel Amodas points out that, and you could take this for what you will. This, oh no, this is the other one. This is same another video on the same point. This is a journalist who is there who has gotten some of these videos out about what they're doing. And, be, and this is about the same point about the mass attention areas they're trying to keep from your view. And Humane Hussein points out. The same footage showing the strip the detained uh, people in Gaza. You absolutely dehumanize Palestinians in your unrelenting support for the apartheid state of Israel, ignoring the unending crimes that is committed against these illegally occupied and oppressed people. Not to mention the thousands upon thousands that have enabled Israel. And this is the one I was talking about. Now, take this for what you will. This can't be confirmed, as far as I can tell. I, I tried to look into it, but the point is that they, this is a a dentist essentially from the from gaza saying a gaza prisoner released and told her by the occupation stated quote occupation forces arrested or messaged her arrested us from our homes among our families they comply they compelled two young men to wear hamas uniforms set the dogs on them and film the process to spread it falsely claiming that the young men were Qassam fighters that's how that's what is happening here in my opinion whether or not you think that's true i think we can prove that Megatron points out that Sky News even reports in the West Bank, not just in Gaza, but the West Bank, where there is no Hamas, despite their allegations, Israel settlers wielding rifles and machetes, burning family homes, you know, because freedom and democracy, right? Despite the fact that literally everybody, including the U.S., says that's illegal. I mean, in Gaza, but especially in the West Bank. That's a huge line. This is happening. Now, my point about Gaza is that I, I will get into a second that they are going, it seems that they are clearly planning to do new to settlements in Gaza, Yet, but there wasn't anything before they put them in the open air prison or there wasn't after they put them in the open air prison. They pulled out and pretended like they let them be their own country, even though they're occupying them still. But the West Bank, Jordan said that if they displace these people, that they, that means war. So make it an eight front war, which they seem to be creating. But it says the author describes entire cases of crimes committed by Zionist settlers. But don't forget, Israel, in try, they, they empowered. They gave them official status. Under the protection of the IDF, killed over 500 Palestinians in just two months in the West Bank. Nobody cares about this because it clearly shows you the true reality of what's happening. The video below shows how they continue to destroy the homes of Palestinians with machinery. 
It's just, every single one of these are a crime. Here, Israel's demolishing what remains of the houses so it can be restored. This is what we keep trying to show you. A full swing plan to destroy all houses in the north of Gaza. Why would they need to do that? Because this is coming. And just don't, don't forget, by the way, as they're doing this and as they're destroying, that they're literally bombing where they are told to go. I don't want you to forget that. Haaretz covered the New York Times investigation. The most destructive bombs, the most un, the most inaccurate bombs, the dumb bombs supplied by the United States are bombing where they designate as safe. You can't, you can't unsee that. It's a fact. It's proven by Haaretz, corporate Israeli media, the New York Times breaking it down as well. The fact that we can quite literally see it happening. Or the 972 article where IDF members admitted they were doing that. We're on and on and on, but just listen to what Netanyahu said yesterday, because that's what good, smart citizens who follow direction do. Now, Elon Levy, the weird spokesman for this one date, said investing in peace is critical. There must be global investment in de-radicalizing Palestinian society. Right, so as we just spent the last so many years screaming about the Uyghurs, now there they do that. Now we want to do it to Palestinians because, you know, freedom. These people are just walking, talking contradictions. It's hypocrisy. Doesn't the U.S. government freak out about what they claim China's doing? How does that not say the same thing? We're going to de-radicalize them. How do you think they do that? Programs, camps. It doesn't matter what you want to call it. There's no other. They don't just give them a pamphlet and go on their way, guys. They need to be de-radicalized, like military level, which they don't, by the way. That's what they're claiming. What they're talking about is Hamas, right? But what they pretend is that all Palestinians support them, despite the fact that at every other moment, they pretend that we're only bombing Hamas and the other people are innocent. Except when you listen to them, they're making it clear that they think they're all Hamas. So they bomb them all. They go, but you know, but we, you know, they make this game where you pretend that they're missing them when they tell you everywhere they talk about it, that they're all guilty. They're all human animals. Antonio Guterres says, heartened that UN member states in a land decision, landmark decision, have agreed to support my peace building fund with $50 million annually. Investing in prevention is the best value for money. It saves lives and averts suffering and destruction. It's crucial to invest peace now. Now, this is my point about how desperate these responses are. Nothing, nothing in there is directed at anybody. It's a broad statement about the fact that we want to invest in peace. Now, why would you assume he's talking, what, what if he's talking about Israel? He's going to give this money to Israel to invest in peace now if you fight Hamas. Well, the point is these people are so insecure about this right now. They are so obviously desperate that he just assumes that he's aiming at him and says, investing in peace is critical, but there must be this. And he kind of frames it the way he wants to. That overwhelmingly supports the October 7th massacre, Palestinians, which they don't. It's not true. They support the act of rebellion. Talk to them. Ask them what they think. Of course, they'll just go, you're a liar. You hate Jews. Okay, well, then it doesn't matter what we say. You just make the narrative, right? That's what's happening. Most of them support the fact of armed resistance. And in fact, if you actually talk to them, most of them are adamant about nonviolence in regard to that, uh, in regard to civilians. The military engagement is a legal act of rebellion, armed and otherwise. But it says so they can be uh, prosperous democracies and Western allies like Germany and Japan. Right. So they can be destroyed. They can be bombed with nukes. So they can be rebuilt at the expense and benefit of expense of you at the benefit of other countries so they can be a vassal state going forward forever that's what that's what they're literally talking about but he says corinne says you simply want to expel all palestinians from their land in order to achieve your illegal occupation of palestine land israel has reportedly been lobbying countries in the global south to absorb palestinians from gaza using military and tech exports as a bargaining chip it, it's openly proven they're saying these things out loud 
So explain for me how you're talking about de-radicalizing and protecting when you're bombing them where you tell them to go that's safe and then lobbying to push them into some other country. It takes a special kind of ignorance to just blindly ignore what they literally say out loud, what we can prove they've written, what they've said, what their actions have been, what you can watch them do, and then just take what they tell you you're supposed to see. That's, it's just, it's alarming to me that anybody could live their life like that. And antiwar.com, Netanyahu says he's looking for countries to absorb Palestinians into Gaza. Of course. Now, Elon Levy points out that anti-Semitism is a sickness of the mind. Well, racism is a sickness of the mind. And you know well about that, Elon Levy, because you're very, very racist. But he's pointing at Eli Klein saying, so leftists in, the New, York, in New York City, I guess he's just assuming they're all lefties because he knows. This is how dumb the two-party illusion is. How about some of them don't care about your two-party illusion? How about some of them are Republicans because they care about the Palestinian people? God forbid we think past the two-party illusion. But, you know, that's how they keep you divided. But the point is, in New York City are chanting for the Yemeni Houthis. Make us proud. Right, a, a popular group that's been voted in by the people of Yemen and who have been radically been bombed and oppressed and occupied by a foreign country. They are not a terrorist organization. But this is desperate because he wants you to think that they are. Houthis, terrorists. You know why? Because, well, if you admit they're not, well, then so too is it's the same dynamic. You're illegally occupying Yemen, which gives them the right to do that. And then he calls this anti-Semitism. Now, wait a minute. How exactly does that make sense? Are you saying that Yemenis are Semites? Well, some people may argue, but the point is ultimately, in your mind, Elon, you're only talking about Jews. That's the only thing that anti-Semitism implies to from the ridiculous mind of these people, even though Palestinians are Semites far more than Israelis. But the point is, at the end of the day, that's about creating the dynamic that anything against our agenda is racist, as you're openly acting in a racist state and acting with racist laws and occupying and destroying people's lives. But, you know, our words are bad, even though they're not. <laughs> but it says here, make us proud. So he calls it anti-Semitism. Why? Because the insinuation is it's all working against Israel. Think about the hubris, the, the mindset that literally anything people fight for, it's only because we don't like Jews or because we don't like Israel. How about we just care about the Yemeni people? And this is a common thing we keep seeing. People like Eli David out there will come out and say, did you, you, know, did you see this thing that the Houthi or that the, uh, the Hamas did? Or he basically says, you know, nope, sorry, that was over here in Nigeria or whatever. I'll show you that at the end today. And no Jews, no news, they keep saying. Well, do you not realize that you're literally, that's a re the reverse thing could be the same? That you guys only care about any story if it involves Jewish people? So, so it, right back at you, man. Right? The idea that you're somehow only concerned about people who are Jewish. What about the non-Jewish people in Israel? I guess you don't care about them. What about the non-Jewish people in Gaza, which you clearly continue to bomb and kill? The point is, it's absurd to make this argument that somehow we don't care about other stories. And again, despite the fact, which I'll show wait to get to this point about the Syrian discussion where they go, did you protest then? Yeah, man, we did. <laughs> I, I don't know why you even think that didn't happen. You, you mean you didn't know people protested for the Syrian war or the Iraq war? How dumb can you be? Obviously they did, but they're creating this fake dynamic where they pretend like this is the only thing we've ever cared about. Here's where they killed people over here. You didn't care about that? Well, we did though. We did. This person writes word for word, ditto. Anti-Semite used to be a person who disliked Jews. Now it's a person who Jews dislike. That was stated by Hi-Ho Mayor Hull. If I had just said that, they might call me racist. They might still, regardless of me quoting a Holocaust survivor. 
because that's just how ridiculous this all gets. He's a self-hating Jew, apparently, if he says whatever you don't like, which perfectly makes his point, doesn't it? Now, Caitlin Johnstone writes something important. Israel apologists always speak as though all critics of Israel are constantly obsessing over Jews when nothing remotely like that is happening. Now, I, I agree. That's not to say that there aren't some people out there that are ridiculous, but her point is in the broad sense. It's just not true. And this is blatantly obvious. It's a fantasy, she said. The only, the only reason people like her, she says, ever mention the Jewish faith is because 90% of the arguments made by Israel's defenders rely on babbling about Jews and anti-Semitism. I completely agree. If it wasn't for them continue to shoehorn this argument in as if I wink, wink, secretly hate whatever they say I do, then I wouldn't even be brought up. I'm talking about the Zionist entity, the government's crimes, policy, which is clear by my work. Look at it for yourself. It goes back a long way. But it says, if Israel's defenders weren't constantly babbling about Jews and anti-Semitism, it would never even occur to me to think about those things in relation to what's happening in Gaza. And I'm quite sure the vast majority of people on my side of this issue are the same. She says, when you see mass atrocities of unfathomable horror unfolding in real time in a nonstop deluge of video, photo evidence, the very last thing on your mind is what religious faith the perpetuators and spouse. It's not something normal people think about. Throughout my life, she says, I've had a positive view of Jews and Jewish culture because so many of the people I've admired and been influenced by have been Jewish. But other than that, it's not something that I've really thought about much. This notion that op opposition to the criminality of the Israeli government is driven by a demented hatred of Jewish people is a complete work of fiction in most, and I think the vast majority of cases. People in our society, she writes, simply do not feel that way about Jews. Real anti-Semitism does exist, but it's a small fringe view. Normal people just want the mass slaughter of children and the ethnic cleansing to stop. She goes on to say, if I saw someone murdering a child, there are many things I might say and do. But the very last thing I would do, I would ever occur to me to do, is to wonder what religion he is. It's the silliest, most nonsensical narrative in the mainstream politics and media today. Exactly. Now, this is an interesting overlap. Ibram Kendi writes, Racist mobs won't stop until they topple all people, all black people from positions of power and influence who are not reinforcing the structure of racism. Now, I'm not saying I agree with this. What I'm saying is this is how he sees what happened to the Harvard uh, uh, president. Saying what these racist mobs are doing should be obvious to any reporter who cares about truth or justice as opposed to conflicts and cliques. Now, you can disagree, but she has now resigned in, at Harvard. Just shows you how much the woke mob can just drive people into what they want. And let's not forget, it's not the woke mob. You listen to Republicans, you're now the woke mob. What you just did is exactly what you claimed you hated this entire time because that was a large push from a Republican side to get her removed. And I'm, I'm not saying I support the woke agenda. Obviously not. The point is, though, you don't just use words and statements and whatever else to force people out of their position because you don't like their opinions. Now, of course, they try to conflate this with the idea that they were somehow supporting genocide. I mean, it's just it's it's Stefanik was so overly emotional when she was doing this. Her hands were shaking and she doesn't even understand the responses. All she wanted was these quick little clips to put on Twitter. The responses were completely valid. It definitely matters what is being said. The if I'm saying free Palestine, you don't get to assume or argue or insinuate that I mean whatever you think I mean. Maybe somebody does mean that. But obviously the context matters. Now, if I came out and said, kill all the Jews, well, that's pretty damn obvious. And that's their point because that's not happening. Not in the sense they're pointing out. I'm sure you could find somebody like they always do and say, this is everybody in this topic. Both sides do it because they're all ridiculous. But they point out in the reader context that she apparently is caught for plagiarism, which wouldn't surprise me. 
I don't support these people, but it's interesting to see how one side of this coming from, I would argue more of a left leaning discussion is saying they're, they're removing before October 7th. Let's just go back like five years. Everybody on the left would have supported this and the right would have been like, Oh, it's an illusion. It's a conspiracy theory, you know, whatever in the, I mean like the, 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 the extreme levels of both sides, like there's always multifaceted opinions throughout all of it. But then the interesting part about it is now you've got the other side post October 7th who are coming in and saying she hates Jews and she's racist. So now you've got two sides of this arguing that her being there is racist where he's saying that her being removed is racist. Do you begin to see how these are simply tools being used against us when in reality, she's probably neither. She just said what she believes. Now, Richie Torres, another completely funded Israeli shill, in my opinion, completely funded with APAC money. And I, I mean, you can prove this stuff. The notion of Zionism, he says, as racist is and always has been a lie. I mean, it's just such a, it, it, this person is a joke. People like this are going to be remembered after this as the ridiculous people that they are, who were desperately trying to take advantage of this pro-Israel stance. Every single human rights group around this has called them an apartheid state, which means racism. It is literally the worst form of racism. That's what Zionism is. It's an open fascist, clearly tried to align themselves with Nazis, with Stalin. It's on Wikipedia. The Lehigh and Ergun Party were wild extremists. They called their own people terrorists. That is the foundation of Zionism. But it just says incorrect because I say so. Zionism, he says, in reading right from the talking points he was given, is the national liberation movement of the Jewish people. No, it's not. It's really not. And I'll, I'll, I'll show you my point about this. And it, this is what, I mean, you could argue that some Jewish people think that, but there are a lot of Jewish people around the world who argue that's not true. Zionism is a political party. It is not the state of all the Jews. Zionism does not represent all Jews. That's why we have plenty of people right now saying ceasefire and they're going, you're anti-Jew. Because they're actually against the Zionist agenda to continue out this genocide. They're saying Zionism is the national liberation movement of the Jewish people who against improbable odds have overcome millennia of anti-Semitism. Because that's all it was. This whole time. Not about other factors or other manipulations or Mossad activities or whatever you call it at the time. You know, that kind of stuff. No, it's all because they just hated everybody and you had to find safety in the form of exile and pulsions. And, you know, goes on to say the single out, the Jewish self-determination is racist. Itself is racist. Don't you love that? So you just forever in the, for, you know, it's, for the next million years, no matter what they then go on to do, if you ever call it racist, ah, you're racist. Now, why does that make sense? If you're talking about it as a general entity, can't the leadership change? Can't they later go on to do something different? But therein lies the obvious point. No matter what they do, that's his same point. There is nothing they can do because this is a it, it becomes, well, God sent that this is given by God. So everything that is being done is because God wants it. That is extremism. You can't just art under an umbrella of whatever you do, therefore God wanted it, start acting against anybody that comes out against you and then call what they do racism because they fight against your political agenda. He says his tweet comes in response to this uh, display. Zionism is racism. In response to anti-Israel activists, no, see, you just can't be honest. It's anti-Zionism. Now, maybe there's an overlap. Maybe they also see Israel as a problem. But you, you can't just keep conflating these words because it is simply dishonest. So here is the point. as a play to start. Well, the highly respected British-Israeli historian, Avi Shalom, says you are wrong. I say you're bought and paid for or too stupid to know. If you are too blind to see the reality of Zionism, while the world wakes up to its true face, you will be remembered for it. 
Zionism, Zionism is racism. Israel cannot be both. Israel is either a racist Jewish state or it's a democratic state for everybody. And that's what I would like Israel to be. I'd like a democratic solution, one state with equal rights for um, uh, all its inhabitants. Uh, your organization, Human Rights Watch, issued a report last year uh, about Israel, mm -hmm. and the conclusion was it is an apartheid state. And, and there are four major human rights groups in the last two years mm -hmm. who issued similar reports reached the same conclusion. Israel mm -hmm. is an apartheid state. So apartheid is racism. Apartheid is discrimination. But Israel is the only member of the United Nations that I know which is officially racist. And I say this because of the uh, July 2018 nation state law, which says mm. the Jews have a unique, unique right to self-determination mm -hmm. in Israel. Unique means exclusive. Yes. It means Arabs have no right to self-determination. Mm -hmm. It means even if Arabs became a majority, mm -hmm. they would still have no right to self-determination. Mm. So but most certainly Zionism is a, um, is a racist ideology mm -hmm. and it is largely responsible for the Anakba that has unfolded throughout the last century and continues today. Yes, a British-Israeli historian, very respected. And let's also add to this the clip that he discusses how Israel was built to begin with spoken by Zionist members of the underground that spoke with him about how they were bombing Jews in Iraq in order to convince them that Muslims were bombing them. That's how this started. Iraqi Jews were convinced that Israel had a hand in uprooting them. After the 1948 war, there was mounting popular hostility towards the Jews in Iraq. Five bombs exploded in Jewish sites. The series of bombs created a panic which led more and more Jews to register to leave the country. I met an elderly friend of my mother's, uh, an Iraqi Jew called Yaakov Karkukli, who had been in the Zionist underground. One member of his group, Yosef Basri, a very, very intelligent uh, Jewish lawyer, and his assistant, Shalom Saleh Shalom, were responsible for three out of the five bombs. Basri's controller was an Israeli intelligence officer named Max Binet, who was based in Tehran. Pretty interesting. We played it many times. Now, the point I made to Elon Levy after this discussion of how it's obviously right, racist, he says the world has never at any point in history been a safe place for Jews. That's a blatant lie. I mean, it's absurdly, this, this is the very point about why people say that what they're doing creates danger for Jews, because it does. Israel's mission is to make it safe, and until then, to provide a safe haven within it. Except, as we know, if Israel was farming and funding Hamas, which is what they did, as you can see admitted by Haaretz, well, I said simply, the most dangerous place for Jews on earth is inside of Israel. It uses Judaism, Zionism does, to hide its crimes under accusations of racism while being openly racist. So when people get angry about it, they get directed towards Jews, when in reality it is the Zionist agenda who are abusing Jews, and a lot of Jews in the world are beginning to call this out. 
The Zionist government funded the very group that you are claiming this place is protecting them from. But can you think about how ridiculous that is? Right. So we're talking about the fact that you gave money and funded the group that you're claiming this entire place is designed to protect them from. And acting like this is all everybody else's fault. Everybody's racist. It's all supporting of Hamas. Well, you support Hamas. You literally support Hamas and the Israeli government. So you support terrorism very clearly, whichever way you look at that, undeniably. So just think about the point. What he's talking about is obviously a lie. Even Avi Shalom will tell you that before them, they lived in peace. They lived alongside each other, and it was when Zionism was given as territorial dimensions that this created the divide. As we said, they bombed Jews to drive them into Iraq to make convince them that they were being bombed by Muslims, which I guarantee flavored their perception going forward. This was a terrorist act that started what they claim is keeping Jews safe, which, by the way, has created all of the things that are driving the hatred towards these people. It's just, it's blatant. And they hope you aim it at Jews. Don't be that stupid. I mean, it's so obvious to me how, I mean, they're, just like I point out in the United States, there's plenty of Americans who are wildly pro-war. It doesn't mean, it's, in my opinion, it's because they're manipulated by the U.S. government to believe that it's good. Same thing over here. We have to realize this has been a lifetime of manipulation by a very manipulative government to convince these people that should they do anything outside of this little area or should they act this way or should, that they'll be killed because there are Jew hatred everywhere. And children are raised that way. They're raised thinking that these people over here are just waiting for a moment to murder them. Which, of course, they make the argument in reverse. But you can decide for yourself what the truth is. But the point is you have to understand that this is the opposite of what they're doing. And interestingly enough, here's an article from LGBTQ Nation, right? The very group that they're saying, oh, you can be gay in Israel and everything's fine. Here's, L here's literally LGBTQ Nation saying when settlement is code for cultural genocide. <laughs> they just don't have support from anybody. They pretend that they're supporting or th that are supporting them. On December 23rd in 2016, a 15-member United Nations Security Council took a highly controversial step, voting to condemn Israel's construction of so-called settlements on the occupied West Bank after the 1967 war. The UN resolution stated that the Israeli settlements constitute a flagrant violation under national law. So, of course, they stopped doing it and everything stopped, right? No, they never stopped. They didn't care. They ignored it. The U.S. didn't care. No other country cared. They just kept going. And that's while they still go, you have to stop what you're doing because of this resolution. Because that's how ridiculous these people are. But let's not forget, as they're talking about these settlements, that never stopped because they're still going. And now even in West Bank, I just showed you, but also Gaza. They're literally talking about the revival of Gaza Israeli settlements, which means that Gaza Israeli settlements, it's very open. And this is what he said on the 26th. Hezbollah has launched an anti-tank missile from inside Lebanon at the Greek Orthodox Church. And, you know, which, by the way, I don't think I was able to prove. They lied about a lot of this, including the fact that they did, in fact, bomb these hospitals. They first claimed on Hamas. They've been caught in just about every lie they've tried to spin. It's really embarrassing. But he simply says, they continue to make a mockery of the UN resolution. I mean, I just can't think anybody can respect somebody who is literally ignoring any resolution cast against them while actively trying to utilize the same body against other people while they are literally calling it Hamas. Like, you don't realize how dumb that is? Like, oh, there's a point right here. Oops. One of these, I think one of these has a, we'll get to it in a second, has a, a, a graphic beneath it. Which is just simply, you know, the point, it's just, it's so embarrassing. Here we are. 
where were we here? Hold on. I just lost my point. Well, anyway, the Air, the Air Force uh, parody basically says, isn't it good that the U.S. Security Council resolutions come to our mind whenever someone else attacks us? If we attack anyone elsewhere, then U.N. Security Councils have no significance. Exactly. Now, again, the point was simply that the only thing that has not changed is the fact that they have not withdrawn their forces in Lebanon, right? So as we're talking about the fact that they're being bombed, well, guess what, bud? That's legal under the, under the fact that under the Fourth Geneva Conventions because you are an illegal occupier. So the point is, you don't get to just go UN resolution while we ignore all the rest of them, especially when you are illegally occupying territory, which gives them the legal right to armed rebellion. But they don't care about any of the facts. Now, you can read through this and realize that this is something that is very obvious, that you can prove that they did pull back, they did agree, and they've, they're still occupying Lebanon. So it's pretty obvious what actually happened. Now, to finish for the most part, Israel rejected Hamas' offer on a new hostage deal. We have been saying this since the very beginning because it's been the truth. As I think BBC, Associated Press, reported with, from the first week forward, Hamas has always been offering an, a complete exchange. They were forced to admit it. They didn't want it. They didn't want a ceasefire, which was part of the agreement should they need to exchange all of them. So all it shows you is that they care less about their people than they do about their agenda. That should anger every Israeli who thinks their people are being fought for. They're not. They're secondary. That's why they've killed some of them. That's why they brought these people home. And they said they bombed people that were there. They shot three people, one of them 15 minutes later, knowing they were, they were, they were Israeli citizens. We, we, I can prove it to you. We did it on the show. Two of them came out. They shot them both. The guy ran back and he was saying things to them. And they said, come back out. You think he was just going, saying nothing? He's saying, I am Israeli. I am, don't shoot me. He came out. They shot him twice. Those are three innocent people that, yes, Hamas took, but I, the point is that I think all of them were military, so they were legal targets, despite the fact they want to talk about, but Israel shot them. So now, after all of this, after they've re refused multiple deals, blaming Hamas the entire time, they've now said, well, okay, we're going to reject the new offer. Why? Well, because, as it says here, and again, don't forget that Qatar is involved, even though Hamas members are literally in offices in Qatar, nice and comfortable. Citing unnamed Israeli officials, the report said Israel received the offer on Sunday, but conveyed that it was unacceptable the following day. The proposal includes a three-day phase where ultimately it amounts to everybody being brought home. They don't want that. The deal would have ended the, hot, the onslaught, which is all they care about, so they said no. Which would have involved Hamas releasing all hostages as well as military personnel that they captive, captivated, that they took and captive. So the point is everybody, everybody in Israel that wants their family back, you have an opportunity. And Israel said, no, as if they can't just go back to bombing after the agreement, right? But it says the proposal we received from Hamas on Sunday was totally off base. And we asked the mediators to try and produce a more acceptable proposal, right? So until they get what they want, they're going to keep going. You can agree with that. The point is simply that you have to realize they don't care about the people. As he says here, going back to December 21st, Hamas rejected an Israeli proposal for a week-long truce. Nope, he lied, and I proved it on the show. It's a, this liar is knowingly leaving out that Hamas, in fact, offered a full hostage exchange and a complete end to the genocide, and they said no. And then turned right around and said, Hamas refused. I just, it's just so blatantly dishonest. Hamas and Israel's hostage deal. Um, just showing you that that is what they said on this Axios page in general. And again, you know, to the support of Netanyahu, 
Antiwar.com writes that 15% of Israelis want Netanyahu to remain in power after Gaza. Only 15%. Now, apparently 56% want to continue the, ga- the engagement on Gaza. But I argue there's a difference there in regard to how they first get their people back. Because I think all the people that don't have people that are over there, they're going, yes, go after them. We don't care. But the families want their people back first. And again, they're literally funding the group that they're acting like are responsible for all of this. Now, here's the last part that I think is really important. All of these people that were at this festival, let's not forget that we talked about this right afterward. The music festival massacre survivors on the 14th of November involuntarily committed due to mental breakdowns. I said at the time, I said, that's really alarming. Mental breakdowns involuntarily. Wouldn't you argue that they would want to go? So that made me very uncomfortable. And then this comes out. The Nova concert victims, 42 of them, are now suing the Israeli government. Now, what they write here is the filed a civil lawsuit against the IDF, the police, the Israelis' internal security service, alleging negligence and a failure to act on warnings, which pretty clearly in, in, implies that they're either allowed it to happen or were more involved. So here's the article directly from Times of Israel. 42 survivors of the Nova Rave massacre sue defense establishment. I mean, this has to show you something, guys, especially as they clearly locked these people up against their will when all of these hostages are coming out and saying they treated us well. Now, I mean, and now you've gotten two of them that I think that have changed their tune after like two weeks being home and said things that completely contradict what they said when they came back. You consider it all you like. You could you consider that they might have been wrong the first time. But it's obvious that every single other data point aligns with what they first said. So just like we just saw the 18-year-old story where they were they lied and said, no, I made it up. Even though you filmed them doing it, the same thing is happening. This is how they operate. Now, here's what they put out, by the way, on the uh, 13th. They tried to make this argument. The army did not fire on its own civilians. Why? Because they pretended this video was misattributed to the cars when it was on the border. That's it. Well, that wasn't the only point, you see, and that's how they play this game. The main point was that it was all over the place. We have Israeli helicopter pilots. We have tank drivers. We've got security heads. We've got people that were in the area. We've got IDF members. We've got innocent civilians from Gaza, from from the location in Israel, all of them admitting to you that they were shot at, that they were people that were killed next to them, and the IDF did it on purpose. October 7th testimonies reveal Israel's military shelling Israeli citizens with tanks. The reason I say on purpose is because a colonel admitted that it was a mass Hannibal. And they shot three people that they then tried, they claimed they were trying to rescue. Here's the Mondo Weiss article. A growing number of reports indicate Israeli forces responsible for civilian and military deaths or just harets and the corporate mainstream media in Israel openly admitting that Israeli helicopters shot people at the festival. So what do you think they might have been talking about? Why do you think they would involuntarily commit these people for however God knows long, and now they're going to sue? I would love to hear what they have to say. Bottom line is, guys, whether you think this was a false flag or whatever, the point is this is such an obviously dishonest cover-up. Well, I guess there's no honest cover-up. Where we can see what's happening. We can see that they're hurting their own people. Their own people seem to see it. And all they really, I guess, seem to focus on is that Netanyahu's the only problem. I think we know better than that. Now, in general, I was just going to end with these quick points. Let me see if I had anything else at the end end right there. Still got a bunch over there. <laughs> oh, and that, that one right there was just the same point. Where you got Neftali Bennett, prime minister, saying Hamas killed her in her own home. Oh, he's lying. You could, it's easily provable. 
This is list. This is details pr- by survivor Yasmin Porat speaking with mainstream Israeli media, saying that they that she was killed by the bombings of the Israeli tanks in the kibbutz Be'ere. So ask yourself how the prime minister can come out after they've said this, right, and say. They kill, were killed by Hamas, even though we can prove that the cars were burned in a way they weren't able to do or everything. I just keep saying this is what desperation looks like, guys. They are desperate. There's just no answer to this because we've already seen through the lie. Now, this is the kind of stuff that we're seeing literally everywhere. I just want to keep showing you the kind of people these guys are. Dr. Eli David says, a large scale massacre and displacement of millions of people is taking place in Sudan right now. No protest, European capitals, nobody cares. Right. So even though a lot of people do, though, not about this fake story spread, but the reality that there, when there's a world, there's something going on like this, people all over the world care. You're aiming this at a Western audience that is being oversaturated with one story right now and acting like because you don't highlight it that nobody cares. Or on top of the fact that do you not care about it? Like every point he keeps making about this continues to show that all you're really saying is because you don't care about that, it's okay that we keep committing genocide. I mean, that's right on the surface of his argument. No protests in European capitals. Right, so you're claiming we only care about when Jews are involved. That's the state statement. But doesn't that then clearly imply that that's part of what's... I mean, it's just ridiculous. But here's the best part. Oh, sorry, liar. It's not the Sudan. It's Nigeria. And the video's old. You can look at it for yourself. It's provably an old video. The individuals beating the women are Nigerian soldiers, and they even have flags on their shoulders. My point is this ridiculous human being does not care. He shares whatever aligns with the agenda. He doesn't even check this stuff. And here's another example of that. Somebody shared this. I'm not familiar with. It's a a screenshot because that's what honest journalists do, right? And it says, ISIS bird 19 Yazidi girls alive for refusing to convert to Islam, which apparently was a reported story. I wasn't interested in even getting into whether that actually happened or not. It wasn't, in fact, a reported story. But that's not what this is. He says, no mass protests in Europe, capitals. Nobody cares. Yeah, well, I said, you're ridiculous. That is an altered image that, in fact, edited together these two completely separate images from two entirely different things. On the left, has to do with refugees fleeing ISIS. The links are right down here. You can check it for yourself. On the right is a single male Jordanian pilot who was allegedly burned by ISIS. And yet, it just doesn't matter, guys. Lies. Now, the point is, this story itself, ISIS burned 19 city girls. That didn't just happen yesterday. So no part of his argument is even valid. This is propaganda. And you can read it down here. This is the first image. This is where they talk about the ISIS discussion. It's from not what he's discussing. And on top of that, here's the other one. Wait, where was that? Here it is. Second image. And it, and it was, in fact, something that was, that was done. Anyway, the point, the bottom line is, this is the kind of nonsense that's being spread. And it got... 51,000 likes, 2.5 million views. Many of these people that are now walking along thinking they're burning a bunch of people and they only care when it's you. Nope, they lied. He lied to you. Or how about this? He says, hi, United Nations, Palestinian Refugee Agency. Are You are funded by our tax money. You, yet you have the audacity to hide replies in your posts, which by the way, why would they not have that, uh, would that not have that option? Presidents do that. But it says, too ashamed of your record. And guess what? There's no source material. Oh, that's right here. UNRWA is Hamas. Like, think about how ridiculous that is. You could argue there's people that overlap, but again, and don't forget, he made this allegation about the UN. And so too did the main UN representative. He accused them of just working for Hamas. That's desperation. But I simply said, 
Oh, and what this is, it goes spreading unsubstantiated claims about UNRWA must stop immediately. Outer, read it out of context. Claims against UNRWA have been documented for a long time. Okay, so first of all, read it out of context, as we well know, is not always accurate, which is why the one I pointed out a moment ago, I actually looked at before I shared it with you because I care. Even then, you should care about what it says. It might be true. But then ask yourself why the screenshot of a tweet that you can't check is somehow proof of anything, even more so when you find out that it's not even actually what happened. Isn't that interesting? I said, care to show me where you saw that, Eli David? Or are you just blindly sharing another fake image someone sent you? Because it aligns with your agenda, as usual. Below is the tweet that you're pretending you see. Not only is that message not there, there's not even any hidden replies. Oops. See it? Nothing. No no community check. No hidden replies. And you know where it looks. You can see little, wherever it is, a little thing they show. It's right there. Spreading up substantiated. And you can check for their, their account. There's no other tweets like this. The point is, they just cropped this one spot, faked an image, added some fake thing down there, photocopy, and then just Eli just said, I'll share it because I, I care, <laughs> because I'm a journalist, because I'm a researcher, a lecturer, an entrepreneur. No, because you're a ridiculous propagandist who blindly shares whatever you think aligns with the agenda for Israel. And he also showed this, by the way, which I think is absurd. Where was it? I think it's right here. Uh, where was it? Dang it. It's one of the other tweets he did right here, I think. Dang it. Well, that's a good thing to remember. Destruction, not accuracy, said the Israeli government. Oh, well. There was a tweet that he added that I thought was interesting. Oh, it's this one here. There it is, right there. Always one step ahead of myself. All right, so this is probably why, I think. Because every time these statements get made, they just can long months of brutal war. This is by the Commissioner General of the UNRWA, the Palestinian Refugee Agency. Three long months of brutal war, mass displacement, mass human losses, injuries, mass destruction, unbearable suffering made worse by constant dehumanization and in, in promotion of hate speech going unchecked. Now, obviously, I have an issue with that. Hate speech is legal. There's no law against you saying what you want. That's called free speech. So I'm not asking anybody to check hate speech. So that's a really alarm. This is my point about how we don't just blindly follow one story or one agenda or one narrative. They all simultaneously exist. So I support what they're saying in many cases about the obvious crimes of Israel. But I can also point out that the UN clearly has an agenda for that in speech and censorship. See, two things can exist in the same conversation. But the point is, all we're really talking about, minus that statement, is that they're dehumanizing Palestinians on a regular basis, which allows people to be okay killing them. That's how the game is played. And here's what he adds. Recognize this badge? It's your employee who also happens to be a Moss terrorist. Right, because you just met, threw a badge on a vest on the ground, right? It was his passport there too, inside the 9-11 building. Like what? It's, it's, maybe that means everything. But the point is, nobody knows. It's a random image that could easily be manipulated, and this is the kind of stuff they've gone forward with. Pointing out an image like this and then screeching across the internet, how dare you not call this out too? How am I supposed to believe you? You've gotten caught lying about a thousand different things. But they don't care. It's one thing and they jump to the next thing, day after day after day. Here he is saying, Palestinians share a video of pro-Palestinian protest in Wales, but they blur women's legs. Okay. <laughs> I just think it's so it's absurd the kind of things these people care about. It's a different society. There's different there's different discussion. They, they pretend like your 
perception on the world from a Western side or whatever else applies to everybody and you need to change their lives because what you think is correct shows you what an authoritarian you are. Plenty of people in these cultures agree with a lot of this, but also places like Iran are actively slowly changing them by their own democratic process to which these people would screech and say, you're a liar, you support terrorism. No, it's easy to prove. My point is, imagine trying to distract from the genocide you're supporting by feigning outrage over blurred legs on a video. I think we care about 10 times, I care more about the 10,000 dead children a bit more. You should evaluate your priorities, but I think we know you don't care. Swing and a miss. And then he says here, even the Palestinian, I think that's Kifa, is not Palestinian, he says. This person, because I guess this tweet said so, I'm willing to bet you my life he never even checked that. He just repeated it because that's what he likes to do. Whether or not it's true, here's the point. First of all, why would that even make sense to anybody? Like, why would you, are, like, this is the actual point. He's making fun of it saying, they're not even real. Well, guess what? You probably have seen this. Even Palestinian is not the land you are robbing and occupying from Europe. Not even the Zionists have anything of yours. Everything you have been robbed, even see the, or, the point is here, all these people, the same point he's making, by the way, Isaac Herzog, Ireland, East Europe. Benjamin Netanyahu from Poland. Yoav Gallant from Poland, right? Are they Israeli? No, they might be Jewish, but in fact, they're really Zionists who I argue are abusing Judaism. But either way, Judaism is religion, right? They, this overlap of the Zionist agenda with the idea that there's somehow territorial dimensions to the, the Jewish state of Israel is the manipulation. Smotrich is from Ukraine. Ben Gavir is from Iraq. Eli Cohen is from Morocco. Right, you see, you get the point? So ask yourself what kind of ridiculous person it takes to make this comment while knowing that. They just don't care. And really, maybe he doesn't know any better. Turkey claims Mossad recruits informants via vague job postings on social media. So maybe Eli David is just a pathetic person that just really can't understand that he's being used. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm being super mean. The point is that I think these people need to be called out. It's, it's blatantly dishonest. I'm not calling for them to be censored, hardly. Just acknowledge what they truly are and what they're doing. That's the important part. Now we're going to go over some more stuff, I think, in the next couple of shows. I'll leave it there. So thank you for tuning in today, guys. I think this stuff is important. And again, you went 30 minutes after I said that, but I think it's important to understand the kind of game that's being played. And I think it's pretty dangerous what's happening to these people in Israel. Obviously, what's happening to the Palestinians is overwhelmingly, it just aches my heart. But obviously, we can see that there's a lot of Israelis that are being manipulated by the government and more and more are beginning to see that and stand up like Jewish voices for peace and calling for a ceasefire, which they then attack and call terrorism supporters, despite the fact that a ceasefire is a complete stop, secession of violence, acting like that somehow benefits any, oh, it's, it's an equal standing. And doesn't that say everything? They don't want that. They want to continue the genocide that they've committed and continue to drive these people out of the area like their plans actually state, like they've stated publicly, like they continue to tell you they want to do, like every single sentiment you've heard from these people in power. Animals, human animals, level it, turn it into a, a parking lot, nuke the area, drive them into the sea, between the river and the sea, because it's okay when they say it, right? And yet we still pretend like we're debating. They're trying to help the Palestinian people. Simultaneously, those accounts are saying, there's nobody there but terrorists. But then when you come over here to this argument, they go, no, they're only bombing Hamas. It's just, it's very clear. And I know you see it. Help me reach the people that don't. Because I am just not okay with what's continuing to happen, as I know you're not as well. 
Nobody should be. But it's hard to keep seeing this every day. I'll tell you that right now. But I mean, there's a lot more to get into, and we will be doing so soon. I just kind of need the killing to stop for me to feel good about putting this down for a minute. You know, despite a lot of this being redundant, it's important that people do not lose sight of what is happening, what has happened over 75 years, and what all of this connects to. Because it's not just Gaza. So thank you for tuning in today, guys. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.